Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This is Aman Kusro, and today I am very excited and finally happy to announce that the full Path to Glory crew is all on the same podcast. Zach Cachetta and Jason Murray, what's going on, guys? Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Glad to be here. Finally, I found my way out of the Harrow Deep and into the Nether Maze. That's right. Just in time. Uh, it's nice to have all of us together. I mean, it, I had a lot of fun reporting or recording with just Amon, but uh, I think it'd be be good to have all the differing viewpoints for uh, for our big show today. Yeah, I'm just a grizzled old man that <laughs> likes to talk. You're a grizzled old man who has a lot of opinions, which we like. So. <laughs> this is good. Well, in case you were wondering. In today's episode, we will be covering the organized play updates to Warhammer Underworlds. This includes the designer's commentary, official errata, and far list. For our patron listeners, stick around for the end phase, where a couple of us will talk about what warbands we think will be top dog in the meta in more detail than we do on the episode today, including maybe some substitutions for cards. But before we begin, this episode was made possible by our patrons, so thanks to everyone who supports us. If you are interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash glory. If that's not possible, we still appreciate the listens and the ratings. Um, how's everyone's weekend been? Happy Nether Maze release weekend. Exciting yeah, stuff. Finally got all my minis built. Got my cards sleeved. Feeling good. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I still haven't sleeved the cards, but the minis were built. I did that all last night. It was it was a you know, had to make a run when the wife didn't see me looking to go pick everything up. It was awesome. I love That's it. Right. I love that. I'm actually looking forward to planning those tactical exits. <laughs> you know. Um as uh, as my commitments get stronger. But uh yeah, I, I wanna say now that you guys have built it, um was it just me or was like pad paw really hard to put together? Like lining up the arms that went out like this or is it just me? Mm, it was all right. The, from a from an easy like push fit kit, I would say both the rats and the shadeborn were probably two of the hardest overall push fit kits that I've put together. Yeah. Though I I will say, as someone who's done a lot of easy build, both Underworlds and Age of Sigmar and stuff, like there's very few seams because we've had some ones in the past where like especially some of the old. Um, older Stormcast easy to build. You could just see like a split right down the shoulder pad and stuff yeah. like that. These uh, ones, very little in the way of that. And I, I've, I really appreciate how much they've changed that. Yeah, I, I agree. But for me, it was it's funny because, you know, I wasn't on the last episodes, but like this this box, this season, is has probably some of the best rivals ready decks, has like some of the best easy to understand rules for new players mm-hmm. and then like has the hardest put together models <laughs> like just you know everything's easy nice intro and then oh here's these models like the Shadeborn. i almost broke her um not the uh what is her name drusilla i almost broke her uh, staff spear. three times yeah her spear yeah, the thing the thing that does it for me is like you need a reasonable amount of force to put the feet pegs in like onto the base and they're all connected by the most spindly little legs. And I feel like I'm going to push down and snap them at the ankle or something <laughs> like that. So yeah. one of my I think it was Skulk, Skulk, one of the Skaven, his his leg was already disconnected at that ankle joint. So I had oh, to really? fix that. And then for a crouched, I'm like trying to put him in his base and the ankle snaps. 
So I had I had a lot of issues yeah. building the Skaven just in general, which I you know as someone who's been building stuff for a while, I was quite surprised. I mean, you're all about broken models lately, so am I? Ooh. After Ooh. your uh, crush your package, USPS mishap. Oh, you guys are oh <laughs> painful. Yeah, so it was painful for those of you who are unaware. Um, I had some miniatures that I wanted to get commission painted, and so I sent them over to my, uh, my my guy. His name's he goes by Sir John the Ho on Instagram. So he's a, his name's Jonathan Ho. So I thought it's pretty funny. Great work for Marvel Crisis Protocol stuff, and. Um, Dude, I was actually impressed by how terribly it was delivered. Like, it looks like it was like dunked in water, run over a, a couple times, and then like there's a plastic bag like that was thrown over it, and then it said "We Care" by USPS, <laughs> which it was it was ridiculous. It, it's actually wild because my wife works in like a at a warehouse. Um, she does manager stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. And I showed her these pictures and she's like, I've been shipping packages, you know, dozens of packages every day for years. And she's never seen one show up like this. It looks like it's been run over. It's actually yeah. wild. Incredible. And like the funniest part is, is like one of the miniatures, um, her name is X23. So she's like the Wolverine clone. And like the, everyone complains online about how her claws are so like they just break so easily. They're very delicate. Really? Yeah. They didn't break. Everything else broke, but her claws <laughs> didn't break. So yeah, yeah, it was That's not fun. Yeah, so USPS is definitely getting a very long phone call or email from me in the morning. But um, I don't know if I'll get any money back. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Anywho, I had honestly blocked that out. But thanks for letting me relive the trauma from <laughs> earlier today. I, uh, just, I would be crying it's not yeah. that the models can't be replaced and rebuilt like a good thing they weren't painted but just to see mm. that was crazy yeah yeah it's i i can't i don't even believe a dog could do as bad as what this this happened here but um anywho yeah i thought you were making like a power game joke because i'm like i like the power game but uh yeah no. that one hit home jason yep. just thanks cut. thanks for the zinger immediately <laughs> So um, let's talk about community shout outs before we get into some of the, uh, the meat of the episode today. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to actually, Zach, why don't you give a shout out? I've been talking a lot. Yeah, fair. Um, well, I'm going to give a shout out to the folks over at What the Hex. Uh, these are the Madison crew. Uh, and today they put on a Rivals Plus event. Uh, I had some local friends head up. I wasn't able to go out. I had some commitments, but uh looks like they had like somewhere between 15 and 20 people right wow. plus uh, i think it was four rounds and they had some pretty serious prize support it looks like they had a mix of um stuff from uh previous uh organized play kits and you know stuff donated by uh stores like dice trays and maybe some minis and stuff like that so they really wanted to incentivize people to come out and they had some beautifully pla- painted minis and tape and uh um you know it was just a it was just a great event. So shout out to them for putting on Underworlds. Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. I I like listening to their podcast, so I'm really glad, and I'm quite envious of their their community. I mean, they have some wonderful people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to meet some of them at Adepticon, and then the fact that they're having like 15, 20 man events is incredible. Yeah, for sure. So uh, 
trying to build up and it looks like they might be making this a quarterly thing. Uh, not sure if it's always going to be Rivals Plus or they're going to mix it up in the format, but uh, I'm going to try to make it up at least once a year, maybe a couple times a year. It's a it's about a three hour drive for me for a one day which is a bit up far. But, um, hmm. you know, I do want to go support them. Yeah. Yeah. For two days, I think it would be mm-hmm. a lot easier to manage that. But yeah, I hope they can continue to grow their community and uh, kind of lead by example. That'd be awesome. Speaking of someone who also runs a pretty mean Rivals Plus community, Jason, what's up with you, man? Community shout outs? I'm, I'm going to go, uh, you know, way out there, I guess, uh, and go over across to the UK and give a, a shout out to Sarah Murray. Now, no relation. So, you know, and the funny little story is my wife's name is Sarah. So, mm. but... Sarah Murray over in the UK, like, you know, Nick Baden does a great job at hosting events all over Rivals Plus events in the UK. Um, but Sarah Murray has posted on um, the Facebook groups um, that Sarah has created these board edges. So in the way that they go, you know, you can play long board, you can play offset, but they almost set the boards into a, a cavern or a cave kind of setting. Oh. And they're just really cool aesthetically. And they have dice trays on the outside. So if you're in one of the the community Facebook groups, uh, Underworld community Facebook groups, take a look at them because they're awesome and they just immerse you even more into the game. Um, also, some great, great paint jobs. Um, this last time, um, Sarah played uh, Dread Pageant and it they looked phenomenal. So that's my community shout out. Yeah. Did, has she ever posted um, the file to print those? Because I would love to put those borders on my boards. I have not seen the file. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm going to probably message her on Facebook, but that's a great shout out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't even seen it yet. I just searched Sarah Murray in the Under Warhammer Underworlds Facebook group and I can't find anything. So it is without an H. That's probably what I say. Sarah Murray. Anyways, that's good. Um, that's really exciting. I'm going to have to check that out. That looks really cool. Oh, I see it now. That's actually sick. Yeah, and the, the way that they're designed, you can, no matter what board configuration, they all go around, which is really cool. So I don't know how they were done, but I like them. Yeah. Wow. People are so awesome and creative. That's so cool. Um, community shout outs for me. I'm just going to give a shout out to everybody who's been working on review content. So obviously, you know, you mentioned what the Hexac, um, Can You Roll a Crit, Agents of Sigmar, and Determined Effort. Shout out to. Um, Baconborn, I, I know his real name, but it just escapes me at the moment. I think it's Mark, but mm-hmm. he um, didn't get any review copies, but still pumped out all his, the reviews for the universals and the factions over the weekend. So really impressive considering everything went live um, last Saturday. So, um, you know, a couple of days he's able to get everything out. So shout out to him and his blog. I've been enjoying the reads there. Um, any other shout outs before we continue? No, no, I think we're ready to dive into the meat of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got sleep it or leave it. So, um, sleep it or leave it this time. I wanted to propose a question. So it might be a little different to how we usually do things, but there's two cards and both are very easy. So there's lethal ward, which we all know and love, which is, you know, ping somebody for a damage when they're on an objective. And there's a new card called Suffocating Mist that does the same thing, but on a cover hex. So my question to the both of you is, do you sleeve it or leave it for each of them or both or neither? And why? 
Jason, you want to go first? Uh, sure. So I struggle with these cards because I'm uh, really, really into Shadeborn. So um, I think that the ping damage is very, very nice for them. And I also think that um, Nurgle, you know, they, the... Um, Worm's Pat. Oh, there you go, Worm's Pat. Thank you. They could leverage these as well. I think that I'm really excited to see pin, ping damage come back into the game. But what card makes it into my decks really depends on what way the meta goes. Currently, I think a ping in a cover hex is super strong and makes it into your deck because I think that the game has evolved where people are more focused on cover feature hexes. Um, so yeah, I think suffocating mist probably makes it lethal ward would be, there's some play with the flipping of objectives. If you, uh, have some synergies with your other cards that kind of get rid of the gloom or get rid of cover, um, where you could also leverage lethal ward, but, um, yeah, worm spat and Shadeborn love these cards. Hmm. That makes sense. What about you, Zach? Um, I'd echo basically everything Jason said. I mean, it's very much about cover. Most people only flip to either score in an end phase or specifically for like sudden revelation. Um, and while you can be like, oh, you're going to flip for sudden revelation and then I'll hold it lethal ward and then I'll ping you. That's that's a little too, um, a little too hard to set up. Um, I will say the other bonus of uh, suffocating mists is that there's been a lot of talk recently about bringing darkening stone, uh, which is a upgrade you cannot give to your leader. And you always count as being in a cover hex. Um, and if somebody puts that on, then suffocating miss is just ping them wherever they are on the board. And I think that's a, a, a solid counter card. Um, well, I think we'll see in nether maze because of a lot of the cards, especially the upgrades that give you bonuses for being covered just beyond just the cover bonus. People are just going to want to squat in them. Um, and further punishing them is a, it's not even a sleeve. It's like a maybe first included at this point. Yeah, that's interesting. So to piggyback on that, I think, I think suffocating miss is the more obvious choice for sure. I, I, I think that like with shadow elimination ever downwards and sudden revelations, I think we're seeing a lot of that. At least I am um, that I do think that lethal ward has come up a lot. Like I, um, in my league game for the online league, I uh, and we'll talk about more of that when we we do that recap there. But uh, Lathanum, my opponent, he was running Wormspat, and so I just got pinged either way. <laughs> so I just kind of was like, whatever, you know, it doesn't. I'm just gonna flip when I need to flip, and not when I not not need to. But I like the the, the shout out for Darkening Stone. I think it's a very good card. Um, it's probably going to be very ubiquitous, if not already. It's actually incredible for Shadeborn. Um, Jason, I don't know if you have played with that combination yet. I know it's in the deck that we talked about briefly, but... Uh, I haven't given my championship deck a run yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Darkening Stone a ton tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, it It is a extremely useful card in that deck. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I guess the general consensus is sleeve it for both. Mm-hmm. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Yeah, I think... If you're a specifically like worm spat, a ping heavy deck, then lethal word definitely sleep. But I don't know. Meta dependent on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree with both of you that suffocating miss is probably more relevant at the moment. So good all, shot there. All I want to do is go back to Halls of Hidden Eyes because someone on here wasn't really big on it. But now it's like the greatest card ever. I mean, is it? <laughs> 
I think I think it is. <laughs> I still am. I'm not sold on it. I'm still not sleeving it. But maybe maybe know, you man. could prove me wrong. It, it is a great counter. Like I, I, I don't want to like div- get into a tangent too much, but it's a great counter meta card currently. Like I literally have a Shadeborn deck built around countering Halls of Hidden Eye because if someone plays that, I'm in trouble. Well, I mean, but yeah, but you put Silent Helm, Mask of Mirrored Shadows, and another defense on your leader, and it doesn't matter if they get a reroll. It's still really hard to get through. But you know, Halls of Hidden Eyes is not a reroll. It's oh, a, it's the half support it's the half and support. full support. Yeah. You effectively get double support against everybody on cover hexes, and it doesn't go away until you play another one. So it's, it's a anti, little scary. Anti Shadeborn card. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> put it put it in your aggro rat deck. That's fine. There you go. There you but, go. I, st- I, I don't know. Like, are Shadeborn going to take it? Probably not. No. But they might take other waypoints to remove it from the board. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's really good in the warbands you're playing, Zach, Exile Dead, because you just want accuracy. Yeah, but I also want to... A lot of my objectives are to be in cover, and I haven't gone through my deck with you guys yet, but, you know, despite mine being relatively aggro, there's still stuff like... Um, lurking death and fearless seekers but it's like you know mm. at the same time like if you get extra supports against a zombie like i don't really care like that guy's exactly anyway so it benefits you more than the the opponent yeah hmm. maybe jason will eventually can convince oh me. maybe i'm working on it so today is not that day so you mentioned ping damager and in, in playing in, in the online league why don't you just go into that like how's your experience been so far yeah uh great um just quick update. I don't think we've recorded episodes since um, round two. I got my butt kicked by Zach Newcomb. Shout out to him and his soul raid. They destroyed Reapers, Kana's Reapers. It wasn't even close. When the crab charges two uh, <laughs> fighters and, and crit furies them, <laughs> it's it's your own for a rough match. And that's what happened game one. Game two is, um, you know, it's just soul raid. They're really good. They're really good at charging and killing two wound fighters. So took the L there. Um, so I submarined into round three, if you will. And uh, I played Lathanum, who's a wonderful, very kind. First time speaking to him. He lives in the tri-state area near like Max and Gerard. Mm. So I think he plays with Max a lot. He said he's been trying to get him to come out. And he was playing Wormspat. And uh, I, I, I kind of have like a PTSD against Wormspat in the online leagues. Because like every time I get to playoffs, I play Zach Newcomb with Wormspat. And it's just crazy stuff and he's really good at playing them so shout out to him again but i kind of was just like oh boy not where i'm spat again and i'm playing shadeborn um but i'm gonna tell you man um i think a combination of like like lathanum never playing against the shadeborn and like i think i just i just was able to figure it out um it was just like i'm just jumping all over the board so it's it's, it's pretty incredible and um i really enjoyed doing all that Again, Wormspat is is really fun, um, and Sepsimus is a monster. So, you know, but even it was even crazy, man. Like I would like everyone would be dead except Slythel, but like Slythel with Silent Helm, Mask of Mirrored Shadows, Nether Defense. You know, is is it's just hard to to deal with that, and so that really helped. So yeah, it was a good it was a good game. Uh, we played best two out of three. Uh, I ended up winning both, so it was fun. What about you, Jason? Yeah, so I haven't really given the update on on my online experience. Uh, I start also started week one with Zach Newcomb, and um, we went. <laughs> he two one to me with uh, Soul Raid into my 
uh, previous Murder Skaven. So I still, was still playing uh, what I would have taken to Adepticon at the time. Um, so kind of like a flex aggro um, uh, Skaven. God, I can't remember. Uh, Scritch. Scritch Skaven. And uh, so 2-1, they were pretty close games, but Zach always gives me a run. And in the end, the uh, Lumineth were just, or Lumineth, the uh, Deepkin were just a little too much. That fish and crab got me. And also, I made a silly, like, online error in that game as I loaded the wrong deck. So there was, like, during game two, I drew three cards in a row looking for Ferocious Blow. And I had loaded from game one, like, as well. Like, I didn't change my deck, the, like, through it. Like, I was looking for that card and it wasn't in there. Confusion was in there. And, like, so after the, the game, I'm like, where the heck is that card? It's not even in here. Like, I drove through. I thought I bottom decked it every game. Um, but, you know, he's load the wrong one. It's fine. Uh, then week two, I got uh, played with uh, Dominus Knox, and he mologged me, like, bad. Mm. Like, it was he just, like, I didn't kill a single fighter until round three. Once again, playing um, Scritch. Uh, game games were so close. So that one was only a best of one. Like the time zone change there really gets me. Although he is very accommodating when you play him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then this week I played Max Bernstein and, you know, Max is just getting back into the game. So I played a straight Shadeborn rivals deck into uh, the new rats skitter shank where he piloted those. And it, it went heavily in my favor. Max is uh, definitely learning nether maze. So well, that's the best way to learn. Get your butt kicked a couple times. Yeah. True. <clears throat> that's good. I'm glad. Um, Malog coming back is terrifying, but uh, it is what it is, isn't it, Zach? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got to exist somewhere, right? I mean, mm. <laughs> until they ban him from the game, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. How it about you? How'd you? It wasn't, Go ahead, Jason. That, it wasn't that bad. Of, like, it wasn't that bad of experience until he started healing, which I think will come up tonight. So something to talk about in a little bit. Most certainly. Um, Zach, how did your week three go? Um, Well, week two, I played against uh, Baconborn. It's actually interesting. You talked about your experience. Um, I played my Elthane into his uh, Reapers, uh, Kynan's Reapers. And um, I lost, uh, but it was close. It was a one, two loss. He, I got one to his two. And I think the last game was only within a handful of glory. Um, but just how you said when the crab runs up and crits twice, when a uh, Mortech guard crit four attacks in a row four in the same round, like it's four attacks, four crits and not really much you can do about that. But um, I, I mean, that, and that's a dice game. Uh, you can't really begrudge anyone for that. And he's a great opponent. He played very well. Um, so I find that matchup really interesting. Um, and I know it's going to change a little bit with the FA, uh, with the FAR update and the new cards and stuff. But just like, you know, there's like this dichotomy between, yes, I can pick off more text really fast, but all my stuff also explodes if Kynan even looks at it. So um do you like hide? Do you try to focus Kynan down? Do you try to kill the Mortex as quickly as possible before you get killed? Like figuring out that level where the aggro is applied and when it's applied uh, as the Elfane player. Uh, that is, is I find really, really interesting. So um, yeah, I, I'm sure that matchup and I, I don't, I think those are two war bands that we'll continue to see even as the new stuff's released. So um, I'm curious to see how that uh, 
progresses into the future. Um, yeah, I'm very curious as well. Because like when I was talking to Benji about that matchup, he was like, Alethanes is their hardest matchup. Mm-hmm. If you do win, you, you're like, you're just scraping by. And that's what it sounds like is that just a couple things went his way to where like he was able to squeak it out. Because like usually I think the matchup is a good one for the soul raid. Yeah, the, the first one that I won, because um, I won and then he won twice in a row, like the first matchup, um, I mean, it kind of went like you said, like I charged with a crab, I charged with Tamail, I killed two things, he came up and then Elthane just got like enough wounds and enough, uh, you know, accuracy and pushes on him that it kind of was impossible for him to come by. But I probably was also a little bit too wary of... Um, uh, Mirkainen. So I think if I continue to to play Soul Raid into the future, like trying to figure out how afraid to be is kind of the uh, the main thing there. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, but week three, uh, like you guys are talking about, sounds like you played all your Nether Maze factions. I stuck to uh, Harrow Deep, and I went with Exile Dead. And there we uh, go. boy, howdy, uh, that's a very silly warband. Uh, it's, it's really interesting, um, just because like I've, I have played a lot of Swarm War Bands in the past. Uh, I played Sepulchral Guard and Thorns and Grimwatch. Um, and even though these guys are kind of the same, it's like you have a multi-move, you have a, um, you have a res, you have a wizard leader. Um, you know, you've kind of got like a lieutenant, even though that's kind of the same between these, they play very differently and like learning where positioning goes, learning where, when to move, when to attack, when to set up, when to like, you know, hold back or commit, or put all your eggs in one basket is really, really interesting with these guys. So um, I ended up playing against uh, Hussman on uh, Discord um, and he was playing Mad Mob, which was, uh, I ended up winning, um, but it was kind of a learning experience for both of us. I think he was not quite sure uh, how to position because he he went a little aggro early on with tooth dagger and i did get a i think a three you know a um a dentalos plus two zombie attack on him which as long as that stagger goes through man you you just don't survive it's scary once you get a number of attacks on there um but as the game went on and he learned how to like you know keep his distance position and you know kind of do some damage from a range with his ranged guys um, and his leader. Uh, it was it was a little bit closer, but um, just the ability to make a wall of zombies and kind of walk forward and be like, yeah, if you reach Dentalos, he's dead, but you physically cannot get through these dudes unless you have flying. Um, it's really, really cool. So uh, I'm loving these Exiled Dead. I'm going to keep playing them probably for a while uh, and uh, probably get my butt kicked by people as they learn to learn to deal with them as well. So do you, do you think that they're going to be more of a gatekeeper warband or are they going to rise to the top? That's really interesting because I, there was a long discussion about this in one of the discords um, about how they're like kind of a boogeyman now. Uh, and I think it's like you said, I think they're a gatekeeper. Like I think a good player can go very far with them, but it's a very matchup dependent and it's very, you know, just how the game goes dependent, like dice and draws and stuff like that. Like, I'm running a bunch of pushes in my deck. And if it's like, oh, I draw all my pushes, I get to like bring you in and do a massive four person attack and take out your most important fighter and, you know, activation three of round one or something like that. 
uh, yeah, obviously that's great, but that's not something you can do every time. And it's especially not something you can do against a really good opponent who knows how to position, who knows what cards you're going to have and like the relative power level and stuff. So I, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be like an aptitude test for both players. Cause I think you can go far, but like a middling exile dead player is not going to make it to top tables, right? Like there's some factions where you could argue they're easy enough to pilot that like a mid table player with any other faction could take maybe Rippa's not to dunk on any Rippa's players, but like a mid table player probably could take Rippa's farther than they could any other faction. I don't think that's the case with exiled dead. So I I'm very interested to see how they perform in the future um, and who really latches onto them. Yeah. It's interesting. It's kind of like, you know, like um, what was that other war band that, just made mid-level players good. The Profiteers? Oh, yeah, that that one. Oh. <laughs> I, I feel like that was a shot at somebody. Amon's not paying attention. <laughs> I I am paying attention. I'm just choosing to ignore Jason. <laughs> uh, Man, yeah, I, I, I think they actually just I think they just board. put the pairings up, actually. So after, uh, after our podcast, we can all go look and see who we're playing against. Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing Mark from uh, Baconborn. Oh, nice. And get to, yeah. to play that out. And you're playing Omniops. Oh, Skylar. that'll he's be great. Madison. Yeah, he's I, know, a nice guy. I know Skylar. He's a, he's a great opponent. And you're playing your fellow Carolinian. How do you say that? Carolinian? Carolinian? You're muted. <laughs> That's I got Husband. He might be in town tomorrow. This might be like an in-person. Oh, there you go. This could be. I'm gonna message him right now. He better yeah. get his butt up here. You could record That's it too. We'll put a video <laughs> up somewhere. Yeah, there you go. Creating content and having fun doing it. Okay, well, it's been 30 minutes. So we should probably talk about the reason we gathered today. <laughs> so, um, Nether May is officially released on Saturday, um, April 30th. I don't think there's a 31st. I think it was the 30th um, in the United States. And in the United Kingdom and other European countries, shout out to um, our ocean, oceanic um, friends in New Zealand and Australia, who unfortunately, um, it's going to get delayed a month at least. So um, we are with you. I would be really upset as well. So um, at least you have the online portals to kind of play. I know it doesn't replace the real thing, but it's it's something. So um with that, we've got a new Farless designer's commentary and errata. And um, I just want to say that I'm really excited that we have all these documents prepared for us and ready to go on launch day, if not right before launch day, mm-hmm. which is completely exciting. I think when content creators like ourselves, when we do content and we review warbands, I think the community has to keep in mind that like technically it's not out yet. Right. So any, any sort of like proper FAQ or organized play update will release when the product is actually available to buy in people's hands. And so I think there was a lot of questions and concerns around some updates and, you know, something with the, like, yeah, the puppeteer action with Markov, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that games workshop addressed them day one and has given us updates to play the game. So without further ado, Zach, um, do you want to lead us through the main FAQ? Yeah, so the designer's commentary or the FAQ, um, the there are a few main things to take note of here. Um, 
first, there was just a lot of clarity updates. Um, we've seen this before, just like, hey, is an activation and an activation step the same thing? Yes. You know, um, when something says do all, but I don't have that type of token, like remove all of one token or something, and I have zero, can I still remove? Yes, but technically some cards will not fire, whatever. Right. Um, uh, they also updated a couple rules like um, can a fighter that is on guard ever be trapped? Now, yes, it can with knockback. Previously, that question was a no. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of this was clarity updates, but there are a few things I think that are good to take a note of. Um, but before we take a note of those, like these clarity things are good. Like a lot of people skip over these. A lot of people will just breeze past and be like, oh, well, I already knew the answer to that question. Or like, oh, obviously they were going to answer it that way. Mm-hmm. But like, it's good to have these down. And yeah, okay, it sucks that sometimes it's missed when you write the rules and it'd be great to have this in the core rules or have it more clearly written when the thing comes out. But like, that's part of development and that's part of releases, especially when you have a physical product. And it's it's better than not having this FAQ and having to write it ourselves. So I'm just, I'm just going to give, you know, big props, like you said, having this out the day of and... Um, taking feedback from FAQs because they, as much as, as much as we like to dunk on GW, they do listen to our questions. And when they eventually get the FAQ out, maybe it's not as often as you'd like, or as immediate as you like, when they do get it out, they answer these questions. And I think that's just a net positive for the game. Completely agree. And I think as Jason mentioned in the pre-show, he's a GW fanboy. I'm a GW fanboy. And so, you know, and I'm, I mean, Zach, honestly, I think we all are, right? We're mm-hmm. all low-key GW fanboys. Like, it's oh, really yeah. easy to love these miniatures and these games and this community. Um, and it's also really easy to pin the blame on the company when it's not necessarily um, something that should be always put on them. I'm not saying that they're yeah. guilt-free, but they're not as guilty as sometimes some people would like to make them to believe, you know? So yeah. keep that in mind as well. So in terms of the more specific uh, big things from this document, because we'll look at the the errata and the the uh, Forsaken and Restricted in a bit, but in the designer's commentary, there are a few things that jumped out at me. So first, we had the Black Powder's Buccaneers. And these were a couple of questions that limited their power, I would say, um, early on in uh, their uh, kind of their evaluation of how people viewed them. Uh, and that is the light fi- uh, light fingered fighters uh, so that's your minions that can break upgrades um, if they take somebody out of action with an upgrade they can still perform light fingered which is great because before it was like well if i kill somebody with an upgrade i don't get to light fingered and i don't get ammo and i don't get to xyz whatever mm-hmm. um, now you can and that's great uh, and if you uh, light finger talks about adjacent now if you push somebody away uh, as part of the attack, you can also light finger. So you don't have to like put yourself in a bad situation. These are little tiny buffs slash clarifications, but I think it does paint the Buccaneers in a new light. What do you guys think? Jason. I think it gives them more utility. I mean, like they really got to work for that light fingered anyway. Like, you know, it just it has to come up and it is essential to making him in shoot and some scoring things. So I think it is, it is nice to have that ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it because I would, I liked it way back in the day when reactions didn't like you had just had a stop to the activation, right? Like 
the activation stopped and reactions were after. And if, you know, everything kind of resolved after the end of that activation. And I think that this is another ruling that blurs that line that reactions are part of the activation, even though they say after. Um, but from a power level standpoint, this is what needed to be to happen for black powder to even kind of have a chance mm-hmm. to function. So I'm glad I'm glad, glad it's there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like the way that my mind would initially interpret the rule is against this um, update, this clarification. That being said, you know, I think black powders is, um, is a misunderstood warband. I think there's a lot of cool things that you can do with them. And I think just because they don't play the classic big boy game plan doesn't mean they aren't good. I agree with both of you, or maybe Jason, if you're inferring that, that they do require some assistance in the current meta. That being said, with the changes to the large rules and some of the changes we're going to talk about today around healing, um, I think they're, they're in a good spot. Um, and I just think, you know, they might be better than I think people have been giving them credit for, especially because like in the Harrow Deep meta, which is blurred so deeply now with the Nether Maze meta, we weren't even playing with 25% of the universal pool, right? Mm. And now we have Harrow Deep and Nether Maze. So it's a little, um, maybe it's a little interesting. Maybe we can call it the Olgu meta because they're kind of so tightly tied together. Harrow Maze. Harrow Maze. <laughs> um, so the next big, uh, I guess not really huge, but it, it is a, a solid buff for destruction is Trogoth's Blood. Um, so Trogoth's Blood is an upgrade that says when you give this fighter an upgrade, they heal one. Uh, the FAQ is, can I give this when, can I use this reaction on this upgrade when I give it to the fighter? Yes. So Trogoth's Blood is an upgrade that automatically heals you for one when you equip it and then further heals you for one. Do you guys think that's enough to make it a big include, especially in big boy uh, destruction? Aman? Oof. Um, it's interesting. So I think, you know, and then we'll talk, we'll talk about healing a little bit more, but um, I think, I think if you're going to play a destruction warband that has fighters with five or more wounds, and I think one th- like cunning crew, iron skulls, boys, um, crushes, Malag. you know, Malog, Hrothgorn, Mantrapa, then I think this could be a card that you might actually um, want to utilize. That being said, the wounds characteristic, actually, no, actually, I completely take that back because I forget there's a limitation on the card. You can only give it to a fighter with a wounds characteristic of four or less. Oh, that is correct. So actually, I don't know. No, I don't think it's a good card. Maybe specifically for Ripa. If you're not bringing plus wounds or you put it on before the plus wounds. So with Ripa, it's interesting because like half the time your opponent's game plan is to not attack him. Mm, True. Right. So I actually don't think this card is as impactful as I was thinking. And I, and I knew I was wondering if it had that restriction and I'm glad I looked it up because it does. Yeah. Jason, any thoughts on it? Um, I think it I think there's an interesting play with when you upgrade you can take the reaction like I uh, not so much the card just the the answer right like can I can I use this reaction on this upgrade when I give the upgrade to the fighter mm-hmm. and like 
that is, I, I'm trying to think, but I don't remember that ever being the case, right? Because it's like it clearly states, and well, I shouldn't say clearly, it's just a different interpretation than I would have ever realized by reading the rules. And I think that that's what's more interesting than the actual card itself. I think the card is very well balanced and given the hits that healing have taken, mm-hmm. there is some play to it. Um, and plus you get the other keyword of being a hunter. Like there's, there's some play in there with the card. I just don't think you're going to see it everywhere. Sure. Yeah. I can't think of any other upgrades that do a reaction. Like, like I know we've had a couple in the past that were reaction when you play another upgrade. Um, for life of me, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I know we've seen this type of reaction window before, but, um, mm-hmm. I can't think of it either. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know if it was ruled the same way back then as this was, but either way, um, it just jumped out at me as like, oh, hey, maybe you're going to throw this on Ripa. Maybe maybe it's like a, we're going to ignore Ripa, we're going to attack, you know, uh, Minai or stab it, and then you Trogloss blood them and, you know, still stacking all your other upgrades on Ripa and can kind of spread it out. But maybe, I think that we'll see as the meta goes forward. But the, um, the next one that jumped out is an interesting one, especially for you guys who are enjoying the Shadeborn right now. <laughs> uh, cover of Darkness. If I choose a fighter with a darkening stone when I play cover of darkness, can I push that fighter two hexes, even if they do not end that push on a printed cover hex or gloom hex token? Yes. So basically you treat every hex as a cover hex. So you can cover of darkness, just two hexes in any direction. The reason I brought up Shadeborn is because Shadeborn, uh, their shadow tokens effectively have the same wording. So if you have a shadow Mm -hmm. token on cover of darkness is just push two, And that's pretty good. It's incredible. It's silly. Is that something you guys are going to... I mean, I assume you're already putting Cover of Darkness in your decks, but... Uh, of of yeah. course, yeah. I mean, go ahead, Jason. You it's not it. even Cover of Darkness. It's the, the shadow counters. You, like, you just get so much cover. Invalid. That, yeah. It, and the way that Shadow Ambush is written on the fighter card, it says another cover or edge hex. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was... To me, it was very clear if I had a shadow counter, I couldn't jump just because I was in shadow. And now this this uh, FAQ kind of blurs that. Because mm-hmm. it's like, they do not end the push on a printed cover hex or gloom hex. Yes. Like, yeah. okay, so the cover hex is coming with me, so I'm going. And that is going to... So it's going to make them extremely strong. Do like, you... Extremely. Do you interpret this as uh, darkening stone and shadow tokens also let you shadow ambush into an open hex? I can see how that connection is being made. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. That is a blurry one to me. So I, I want to hear your guys' opinions on that. I'm not going to play it that way. But if if someone if a TO ruled it that way, I wouldn't think they were crazy for doing so. I think mm-hmm. it makes sense based on this precedent. I don't want to play it that way because I think it completely, they're already mobile enough. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. And I agree, Jason, 100%. I don't think anyone should play that that, that way. But the the Shadeborn like, are going to be so powerful in this Nether Maze season because everything is cover, right? Like, So I just think that they're going to be very strong and then if and when another season comes out and if and when, you know, we go to somewhere, a different realm, like we kind of do every year, mm-hmm. then I think 
I'm really curious to see where that power level shifts because right now with only like technically half the universal pool out, cause we've got two more war bands in this season. Like they're the shenanigans that they can get up to are incredible. And I imagine it's only going to get even more shenanigany. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I agree. I don't think they need the boost. Um, like Iman said, I wouldn't be surprised if TL ruled it that way. I wouldn't be surprised if GW came out and put out an FAQ that said, yeah, totally, you can shadow ambush into open if you have shadow tokens. But um, I'll leave that up to people who are playing them. I'm not playing Shadeborn right now, so um, I don't want to give too strong of an opinion on that. You must join the darkness. <laughs> yeah, well. The, the, the key word is another, and that's what I would just always go back to. It's yeah. like on the card, it's a, on their card, on their fire card, it says another cover hex. Not a cover hex, another cover hex. That might be enough. It might be, but... Yeah. Well, it wasn't for cover of darkness, apparently. It wasn't. <laughs> well, oh, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah I mean, because then technically you can darkening stone um, one of your non-leader fighters and then shadow ambush into a stone because, yeah... It's silly. It's a little mm. weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going like, to come back to this this exact ruling when you get to the next ruling. So Yes. Uh, well, yeah, that's it for all the, the nice things from this uh, document. Let's talk about well, the spicy one. Oh, do you have something yeah, else on? Yeah, yeah. The only thing I want to mention is Cunning Crew got a clarification as well. Um, so, Manak has a Cunning Command ability that refers to this fighter. And people were like, does this fighter mean Manok? And the answer is correct. It is. So I think a lot of people were already playing it that way. But in case you weren't or weren't familiar, he is referring to himself. Oh, yeah. For um, That's the reaction for the multi-move. So mm-hmm. you can't like, it, it's not cun and command reaction move off of any fighter. It's just off mm-hmm. of Manok himself, which I, I don't think anyone was not playing it that way. But it, like I said at the beginning, it's very good to have this clarification. Yeah. So, good on them yep um but yeah here's the spicy one uh an objective refers to fight if an objective refers to fighters rather than surviving fighters can the condition be fulfilled by fighters that are out of action and now the answer is yes strong opinions about this one have been had basically everywhere on the internet uh Mm -hmm. my opinion is that it's not a change that's going to make me quit playing the game or anything like that. But I think this is a, I disagree heavily with this change personally. And I understand they're clarifying rules. Maybe down the line, we're going to get an objective or a set of cards or a war band, maybe that interacts with dead fighters in a different way than we do currently. It has some weird interactions with current cards and previous war bands. So, um, what are your guys' feelings on that? Yeah, I'm curious as to to why your reaction is so strong, like negatively strong. Like, why don't you go ahead and break it down for us? Give us the juice. <sighs> well, the cheese may. Well, I I, I hate Ripa, <laughs> uh, and the I think the thing that's very spicy about this is that the one. So in the question, they mentioned Pawn of the Gods, which is um, one or more fighters is inspired on each side and one or more fighters is dead on each side. And they said, yes, this can be scored if the dead fighter is inspired. So cool. That's kind of interesting. I mean, that's 
kind of spicy. But then the other one they called out by name is if you go down to the Rippa section, it says, can a fighter with loaded with plunder that is out of, uh, or can a fighter with three or more uh, upgrades that is out of action score loaded with plunder? Yes, that used to be a no. They specifically changed it to be updated with this rule. And that is already like the dumbest two glory card in the game. Um, I don't like that particularly. I also don't like that it blurs the line on a couple of other cards. We have talked about this ad infinitum on a couple of the discords, just like, oh, now this card is scoreable. Oh, now this card is harder to score. Oh, now this card is like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a question about, you know, when something references all fighters, it references, now it references both in action and out of action fighters, and then it says all fighters adjacent. Well, what does that mean for out of action fighters? Well, obviously, like, you're not going to worry about the positionality of out of action fighters. They can never be adjacent. They can never not be adjacent. They're dead. It doesn't really matter. But like, the fact that it kind of calls these into questions in the first place, like, it is it does feel a bit one step forward or two steps forward, one step back. Because for all the clarity that I, you know, I give them props for at the start of this segment, this is one thing that you've introduced and you've just added a bunch of muddled, you know, muddiness. Because it's like, oh, you clarified all these things. Great. Now you have a question you're going to need to clarify a dozen times in the future for all these other cards that are now affected by this change that you've put in. And that just like it it feels bad to me and it also feels bad that like some of these cards shouldn't were never designed to talk about out of action fighters and i don't know like it just it just leaves kind of a bad taste in my mouth i don't think it's a bad change like i said it's not going to make me quit the game it's not going to make me you know like rage against them in every faq i send an email for in the future but it's like i don't know it's just not a decision i would have made if i was in charge of the game Jason, you came off mute, so <laughs> looks like you want to say something. I I got. I mean, I'm very passionate about this, so <laughs> I'm fine if I, you want me to go last. But if not, I I come prepared. So, so wh- how do you want me? Do you want me to just say my piece before you go in on everybody, or yes. what, how do you? Yes. Okay. All right, that's fair. Since you are very prepared, I can I can, I can see it in your eyes. Um. So for me, I think there's a lot to unpack there, Zach. I think ultimately, I agree that I would not have interpreted the the ruling this way um the only thing that i can assume is that there is an attempt to homogenize wording Mm -hmm. um, and phrasing moving forward so future cards that may or may not be printed may or may not follow the same um word for or this phrasing Mm -hmm. so that's my understanding there i think to be fair sorry to interrupt but to be fair like most of the cards from diarchasm onwards or at least late diarchasm onwards have said clarified surviving fighters versus all fighters or all surviving fighters or all fighters or like an out of action fighter. And it's been pretty clear, but there have just been a few that have slipped through the cracks and there's the old factions that that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. The old factions. I mean, a lot of changes have always, they've always just been casualties, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just, it's just going to happen as the game evolves. Um, And I think, you know, we can cut them a little bit of slack. I mean, if you think about it, they're like, you know, 300 cards every six months. Like, it's, it's it's a lot. I mean, granted, you know, and then, you know, we know that this isn't the only game they work on. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, they've said multiple times in interviews and um, in articles that they work on Warcry as well. So, um, I, I mean, it is what it is. I think mistakes happen and, and they're quick to fix it, which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really get, what I really question 
is the adjacent rule. I think that really like that really um, annoys me and like not in like an aggressive way, but I'm just like, guys, like we're better than that. Like there is rules as written and there's rules as uh, intended. And that's been like an age long original day one argument. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand both sides and I understand that if this is technically the way that the game can be interpreted and played, you have every right to play it that way. And I get it. We're a group of competitive people who play a competitive game, who take it a little bit too seriously from time to time. Um, but like to say that a fighter that is dead out of action off the board can be considered adjacent because it doesn't specify out of action fighters or fighters on the board or whatever, I think is a bit of a stretch. And I, I have a problem with that, I think. Um, and so that really, I think we're better than that, honestly, as a community. And so I'm not going to judge anybody for running it a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying, but I just think I completely disagree with you. And I, I think it's pretty obvious if you really think about the spirit of the game, how it should. So let's just jump into the adjacent in Mm -hmm. the glossary. Adjacent is a, a bold letter word, a term used to describe two hexes that are next to each other. Things in adjacent hexes that are adjacent to each other. A thing is never adjacent to itself. When a rule on a fighter or upgrade card refers to adjacent fighters, adjacency established relative to the, to that fighter, unless otherwise stated. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't understand why that's even an argument. Well, I think the argument is less about like the, the dead fighters being adjacent is silly. I agree. I hundred percent agree with that. The question is like some, there are a couple cards and I'll have to pull up specifically which cards they were talking about. There are a couple cards that say, all fighters are adjacent to one or more fighters. Now all refers to out of action fighters as well. And said, well, my out of action fighter can never be adjacent. So as soon as I lose one fighter, I can never score cards dead cards dead. Yeah. That's if, and I agree that is rules is written. Now the wording, uh, now they're ruling on that. And that feels a little bad. That clearly doesn't feel intended as Amon said, that's a raw versus rye type of argument. Um, and let me guess, the card that they're referring to is Undead Swarms. Some, uh, I think that was one that was brought up. I don't have the full list. There's a whole thread there's dedicated whole to thread figuring out. out. So, there are, yeah. so, to the best of my knowledge, there's 23 cards, and I'll say 22 because there was one that I couldn't understand how this was impacted, besides cover. So, I'm going to go into cover completely separately. Yeah. But, so, we'll say 22 cards. Two of them are surges, and I want to pause and thank um, Jason McCrat runs Underworlds DB. He got me this information. Mm-hmm. I am not smart enough to go through every card ever written Fair. for Underworlds, but he sent it to me. So thank you. Um, but there are two surges. So so I broke them into two classifications. And the adjacent thing, I get it. It makes some cards unscorable, and I put those into more difficult. So in more difficult you have six cards that are now next to impossible or more difficult to score. All the better way to slay them, undead swarms, hoarders, sorry for you fire slayers out there, (laughs) um, stake a claim, etheric mastery, and last stand. Those are the harder ones. Like, so let's slow down. The sky is not falling. Like, those are the ones that I would agree, holy cow, how do I score this card? This game is different. And that's where I'll pause and really 
the response to this FAQ was an emotional one. And we're, we, I struggled with it as well when I first read it. I'm like, what the hell? Because you have to think about the game differently. Like this changes the, the that wording on the cards where you have to change it. And this is the only thing I don't like. Mm-hmm. When a fighter was out of action, I didn't have to worry about them. They were gone. Right. Like they're out of action. Yeah, they still have all their stuff. Like I, you know, I get credit for whatever wounds profile they had with upgrades when I took them out of action. But when they're out, they're out. If they're inspired, I didn't have to worry about it. So if there was an inspired objective and I knew Amon was running it, I could kill his inspired fire and stop his glory. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So there was counterplay, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not, and I think that the community is going through change cycle. So they're going to be vocal. That's just what we do. But um, it's, it's different. And this is where, uh, you know, I'll pose the question. Do we think in Harrow Deep and Nether Maze surges were easy to score? No, the search bull is terrible and Harrow Deep and Nether Maze are awful. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say Nether Maze. Well, not not Nether Maze. I have Nether Maze has some really easy scoring surges, actually. Sure. I don't think we've seen surges this the, easy to score in the a long The Harrow Deep and Black Powder portion of Harrow Deep that we've been playing up until this point had a terrible search pool unless you're playing aggro primacy is what I will say. Okay. So we'll get to the, well, again, we'll get to darkening stone and the, the cover yeah, that, ones. That's separately. Another thing. But the other ones, which I classify as group a include two surges and the rest are end phase that become easier because they include those out of action fighters hmm. like recovered poise, right? Like oh, uh, a- vampires inspired yeah. card. No one's playing that, but now you may, because if you have an inspired fire, as soon as they're inspired, you're going to score that. You're going to get one glory. Hmm. Again, I don't like the not lack of counterplay, but these cards become easier to, to score. So shock troops, Sigmar's Bulwark. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, just buffing those uh, original OG Stormcast. Um, there, there's it, a, well, I'll go, go ahead. ahead and say that, like, it, like listing these out, like, it there's a number of them and we can, t- you know, a lot of people are like gloom and dooming. Like you said, like, Oh no, you know, the fire slayers card hoarders. Wow. That's crazy. But like most of these cards weren't seeing play even before they got nerfed quote unquote. And mm-hmm. many of these cards won't see play even after they've been buffed quote unquote. Like I don't, I think recovered poise is like a maybe card even now because like, there's a chance that you die in round one before like you get, you, you kill somebody, you get your hunger tokens off. You're like, yeah, I'm going to inspire in this out in this round. Then you just get killed in activation four, you know, and then you don't inspire or like, you know, you go up there and you whiff your attack, whatever. Right. Like it, it's still kind of a weird card for vampires. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's just a lot of the, it's easy to point out the number of cards and then be like, all right, what is the actual impact on the meta? how many of these cards are going to change? How many of these cards were like auto include in your deck and now are auto not include in your deck or vice versa. And I don't think the number's very high if you take that into account. It's not. So what do we like 15 is 15 or easier and six or more difficult. Mm-hmm. So what's the concern? The concern very well may be in darkening stone. The one card that kind of breaks all of this, given, you know, the cover of darkness ruling this ruling and darkening stone, mm-hmm. that's where trouble 
can start. Right. And for and for our listeners, so just so we can clarify, because we all know what you're talking about that. But for our listeners, Darkening Stone is, again, the one that says you're always in cover hex. Um, And you're an assassin. And you're an assassin. Previously, when you were out of action, didn't matter what upgrades you had, you were out of action. You didn't matter for uh, objectives. Now, or well, it kind of did because objectives that increased your health would matter for some objectives that said a fighter with X number of wounds is out of action, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, Now, since you're out of action, but this is still in effect, you have an out of action fighter in a cover hex. And that's what Jason's referring to. So Jason, go ahead and talk about this a bit. Yeah, so this one card in this ruling really brings nine objectives up a power level. Like Horrors in the Dark becomes really easy to score because I'm going to have two or more in a cover hex. Well, Horrors in the Dark has to be not in your territory. And that brings into another question. Is an out-of-fighter action not in your territory? Yeah. They're not. They're not. Yeah. They're not in my territory. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that's exactly what we want to talk about, right? Like, it opens all of these little nuances where you have to, like you said before, now we're going to have to define, like, is out of action not in your territory? Like, currently, yeah, it's not in your territory. Um, You know, there's a lot of hold to cover hexes. So, like, uh, Lurking Death, uh, Lost in the Shadow, Master of the Abyss, yeah, which is three or more. Yeah, Master of the Abyss is like I love that card anyway with Shadeborn, and now I love it even more that Darkening Stone can can count that. Mm-hmm. Um, Side tangent: Do you like taking the damage for it though? Don't care, man. I bring my dudes back. I don't care if a zombie gets pinged. <laughs> zombie, that's fine. But a uh, Shadeborn, you got three wounds. You don't want your leader to take wounds. You mm-hmm. still take it. Still take it. Oh, I didn't. I'm. I'm not. Well, mine is extremely passive, so I don't want to play. I don't want to play the game. I just want to sit in the back <laughs> and hang out in the shadows. Dirty. I mean, to be fair, like none of the cards in my Shadeborn deck require a kill. Like it's so. I mean, I'm. I'm. Well, we we will we'll talk about it. But I think I just think the damage is not worth it personally. Um. But all like so that one card just plays into those type of objectives. And I, again, I have nine that I've listed that it helps those cards um, score. So that may be where it be, it becomes a little broken or a little wonky again, but my, my, my main point for this argument is one relax two it changes the way that you view objectives which is not comfortable, but like you all said, maybe, maybe there's a reason why we don't know. Um, and it doesn't really swing the game to any one way other than the cover hexes. And they could restrict like the neck. We could get a document tomorrow and every single, all nine of these objectives could be on the restricted list and darkening stone. And all of a sudden everything is right back to where it needs to be. Well, I think it's very likely that, if it becomes a problem, they will either A, errata in the next errata, obviously very reasonable, or B, they'll just ban Darkening Stone. Like, they'll just forsaken it. Because we've seen yeah. in the past, what was the, what was the um, Hrothgorn, or it was a universal hunter card that was reaction after an enemy 
Quarry's activation push, and then Hrothgorn just absolutely broke the crap out of it. It was like a circling yeah. hunter, I think. Something like that. And Hunker, Hunter's Mark or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, and they were like, no, we're just ban the card. Like, yeah, it sucks. Obviously, we overlooked this interaction with Hrothgorn, but we're just going to ban the card. And they could just do that with Darkening Stone. Like, it would suck to lose Darkening Stone because I think it is a very interesting card. But if, if they just sit there and go, okay, actually, this breaks a bunch of other interactions, just, just forsaken it, and that's the end of it. Yeah, I think that if there is a change made to your point, and I think we've spent enough time on this whole conundrum. Sure. But um, they will either errata everything um, or like they've hit problematic cards that have caused rules interactions that have you know, made them awkward in the past. I think we'd probably see Darkening Stone be Forsaken if the antics continue. But, you know, they, they have made an effort to errata cards and we'll talk about some erratas we've seen in the new set. So who knows what they'll do, but I can see that happening for sure. Well, speaking of errata, that's it for the uh, designer's commentary. So who wants to walk us through the errata changes? I'm going to volunteer Jason. Fantastic. (laughs) You get me all fired up. Remember sky's not falling. It'll be okay. Um, So for the errata, there was a bunch of keywords added to older fighters. You know, for example, um, Steelheart gets scything, um, Garrus Reavers, you know, um, they get a scything, some Grievous was added and that's probably, you know, the biggest thing for these keywords is they've updated a bunch of power card traits and keywords and Grievous changes in, well, I don't know if it changes, but by adding Grievous to Nether Maze. And then when you go to the Nether Maze book, like Grievous is just flat one. So mm-hmm. before I love the crits, so I would stack fighters ferocity and some o- other, you know, grievous attack. And right now it, it it's put in line of you get plus one. So yes. I think that that's a big thing, adding these keywords to, um, to the fighters. And it was mostly around grievous. Yeah. I like the addition of grievous and scything. I think again, you know, creating some uniformity in the card pool and the fighters is important. Mm-hmm. Um, Though I think with all these changes happening to fighter cards, <laughs> they should just like make new fighter cards <laughs> because this stuff is ridiculous. Like in order to play any yeah. warband, you're going to have to like look at this and say, what's my keyword? What's my, you know, update? What's my um, special ability and all that? So yeah, do a- go ahead, Zach. Oh, I, I was just going to say that um, I get that they don't want to reprint I, I get that they don't want to allow people to print off power and objective cards because when you print your own cards then you know there's potential thickness issues or like you know you you can do something in the deck and that's a little weird and they don't want people to um they also want people to obviously buy their product and not you know uh, pr- just print it off for free like obviously i get that but when it comes to old fighter cards like you're not even selling these cards anymore and like it doesn't matter if a fighter card is a, a exact cardstock thickness for purposes of like drawing it out of a deck or whatever. Literally, just I know it's not super simple to create these high quality images and put them up there. Somebody has to put in that work. But like, if you go through and do the work and just put the new fighter cards up there with their new keywords and their new whatever, like assassin and order icon and all this good stuff, like it'll just make the game better for everybody. Like just it, that, that would be such a, such a straightforward thing to do that. I, I think it's an easy win in their book. 
Agreed. Yeah. Um, going and going back to you know some of the changes that Jason mentioned, um, Silent Grievous, they even like you know flying, um, and ensnare. I think that's all great. Hmm. Again, uniformity is awesome. So. Yeah, none, none of these cards, like the card already had the rule. They just didn't have the keyword. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I would love to see, with the fu- especially with the fighters cards, is they've been printing uh, kill team cards in white dwarves. Like, that would be really awesome to buy a white dwarf and just have fighter cards with all these keywords on them. <laughs> so, yeah. I think they should do white dwarf too. Yeah. I think they should do white dwarf warbands. I know that's crazy, but Warcry is just begging for that to happen. So. Yeah, they need to do that. Um, but then getting through all the keyword updates, there was a big day one ruling or update to the exile dead. So, and this is uh, evil ash as I like to refer to him as, cause I think the model looks like evil ash from the army of darkness movie. Um, but Markov that changed the puppeteer action on both sides of the fighter card to read action. This fighter and friendly regulus can each make one action other than this action. Then place uh, then place up to one friendly out of action regulus in any empty hex within two hexes and give that regulus one raise counter. Reactions cannot be made, made, cannot be used during this action. But the big update here is you cannot make the puppeteer action. Yeah, it was a silly thing that it was a silly thing that only power gamers were going to do. But day one FAQ, perfect, great. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. No more infinite loop. And yeah, simple change, but I like it. I have seen in conversations uh, with the community that people are, I guess, still like, can he make a charge action? Oh, he absolutely can. Yeah. Charge so, token doesn't stop you. Yeah. Charge token doesn't stop you for, but because like, the whole idea with the charge token and uh, we've beat it to death on the <laughs> online forums but um, a charge token specifically states that you can't um, be activated. Exactly. But it doesn't say that you can't make another action. Though, okay, so here's my take on it. And as a exiled dead guy, like this is can, might come across as biased. I don't think it's a problem because like Regulus's attack is good. The range two, two hammer, two damage. We've seen that be like a solid starter attack. That's like a solid baseline attack. But when he dies and comes back, it's two fury, and that sucks. Like, that's a terrible attack, and there's very few ways to buff range to attack actions. And he's not that durable. And, like, even if you're, like, round one, I'm going to charge, and then puppeteer charge, and then puppeteer charge, and I've charged three times with him this round, it's like, okay, a lot of other factions can make two damage, two hammer, two damage attacks three times in a row, and it doesn't, like, they're not busted factions. So, yeah, he can charge multiple times, but, like, I dare someone to make a deck built around Regulus just charging four times around, and I think you'll lose most of your games, honestly. I, I don't think it's a question of whether it's good or not. I think it's a question of do we need to clarify on the charge token? Like, do we need clarification on that? I think it leads Probably. to a greater conversation. I don't think Mark, like, I don't think Regulus is broken at all. And I think, as you've mentioned or alluded to at least, that the strength of the warband lies in the conductive fighters rather than just spamming regulus attack actions. Yeah. And just for clarity, like if Markov gets a charge token, he can't activate to do the puppeteer. So like, exactly. it's just regulus. Like you do the puppeteer and he charges everywhere. Markov does whatever he's going to do and, and move on. So, 
Um, I'm, I'm in agreement. The next one is an update to Black Hunger. And even though I play a lot of um, Skaven, I don't play Black Hunger. So I don't know 100% what changed. But change this card to read. This fighter's range one attack action have plus one damage and scything. Well, this fighter makes a range one attack action. Other friendly fighters are considered to be enemy fighters. And fighters in your warband cannot be supported. Is it just the added scything? No, uh, it's... Friendly fighters are considered enemy fighters. Enemy fighters, okay. So you can kill your own fighters to score surges and score cards, gain bounty. Because before you did not gain bounty for killing your friendly fighters, it just said make an attack against friendly fighters. I mean, look, there's you're not again. This is this is a little bit like the other one. This is hilarious, by the way. I think this is amazing update. But you're not going to build a deck around just like sitting in your backfield and punching the the uh, the lurking Skaven to death with your own hunger Skaven. It's just not going to happen. I agree that it it's probably not the best deck design. Um, I think it's a little silly though because oftentimes you're going to be in scenarios and where you're going to try to you know do a really big black hunger attack and try to like side down a bunch of fighters and. One of the balances, I think, in this card is sometimes you're going to kill your own enemy fighter and that kind of gives your opponent a little bit of leeway because in theory you can do a giant scything attack and and damage everybody, right? And kill a bunch of fighters. Um, But now you're just negating their gain by gaining as well. So they're getting at zero. And I think that is a little bit of a nerf. Not a nerf, but a buff rather to the card. You're also removing one of your own fighters from the board. But you can come back. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I I mean, Black Hunger is already restricted. Um, If it wasn't before this change, it would be afterwards. So I don't think we'll see this pop off and become like a big thing. But maybe, maybe there'll be a finals where somebody is like mercs two of their own Skaven and gets two glory and comes back from it. Who knows? Just pull them all in. Just like center of attention and just pull everybody in and just whirl them all. You saw a reckless swing off your own guys if you hit both your other rats. Honestly, I agree. It's hilarious. It's very Skaven-y, I suppose. So in theme, I agree. But I think it's just weird. And I I think it was unnecessary. So unless there's some sort of homogenization of jargon that I'm missing. I just think like... And I understand that this is a faction card, so it's a little bit different. But Black Hunger has been FAQ to Rada restricted about a hundred thousand times. It feels it should just be Forsaken, right? Like that and Expendable. Like they've they've appeared in this document since since Shadespire. But hey, I I digress. Hmm. Um, Dude, I'm I'm all for Forsaken that card. <laughs> Which one, Expendable or Black Hunger? Black Hunger. Both. <laughs> no, no, Expendable is the best card in the game. You can't convince me otherwise. I love that card. Uh, it's good as a rat player. They just they always seem to to prop up with um, rules interaction problems. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But moving on, uh, another tasty update here is Shadowkeeper. So I don't have the card in front of me, but this is an upgrade or was an upgrade that you put on your fighter. You go on guard all the time. And if you roll a crit in your defense roll, you get to do a damage. They've now added the illusion keyword and all of the points to go on to that, which you don't have to spend a glory to put this um, card onto a fighter. But if they do take damage or are chosen by a gambit, it breaks this upgrade. So what do we think of this? 
I think it's a great change. I think when the FAR, the FAR came out a day before this stuff. So like the internet was like, had a collective like, Nani? Like what? <laughs> well, you know, how did they miss Shadowkeeper? And um, it's just really funny because like, I don't think Games Workshop would have missed a card like this. Like I, I in fact, I'm, I applaud them for not just sticking it on the restricted list and changing it. Um, and I think it's fair. There's already a card that does this. This is just a little bit stronger because that Galagan crit ability that you gain. Um, I think it's totally fine. I think it's fair. And I'm glad that it doesn't take up a restricted slot. Will you guys still run it? I think in some cases, yeah. Were you running Illusory Form before? N- no, but I think maybe now you run both. Because then you get two rounds of guard. Spicy. I like this only early, like I really like it early game just because it, it protects my fighter a little bit more hmm. playing, playing a lot of two dodge war bands. Is that's what I kind of go to um, early game? I don't need glory and I can kind of insulate a fighter or give you a hard choice. Do you want to attack this person or do you want to attack somebody else that isn't on, on guard? So, and on guard with a re um, a bounce back damage potentially. Yes. Yeah, I also think it's additionally helpful because all the new boards have a lethal hex on them. Mm-hmm. So in situations where that might pop up, it's just extra security. Cool. But last but certainly not least is another beta rule. And we've seen these before pop up from time to time. Um, but this one kind of caught me off guard. So this beta rule is for Morgox crushes on each fighter card. Change the first ability to read as follows. After this fire's activation in which they made one or more charge actions, place one wall counter on this card. So they no longer would get a wall counter for attack actions, just charge actions. Is it, I mean, from a championship standpoint, they're more of a gatekeeper war band. Correct. So. My initial impression was that this doesn't change much because most of the crushes players I was playing against were charging. Very few of them were standing still attacking. And it was pointed out to me that, well, you know, I was playing Skaven with a whole bunch of pushes and like weird positioning and they weren't really getting to set up and hit an attack. But in a lot of other matchups, they were like commanding stride, attack, 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 charge, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, this does affect. My question is like, what cards does this really affect other than Berserk Fortitude? It's, it's, hmm. So it's, it's not even, it affects, I mean, any card that requires a wall counter. I think it makes ones that give them to you for free, Mm -hmm. like significantly weaker, right? Like, I mean, better, excuse me, like sidestep, get a free. Yeah. Or where, you know, you get two on a charge. But the ones where you need to spend them to gain benefits, it makes them significantly weaker because, you know, you got the, um, the spend a wall counter to wait. Does, does, does the reaction attack again require a wall counter? No, only the only one that I've seen people play is berserk fortitude. And that's the reaction reduced damage one. Art skull and thug though have innate spending. Yes. And so does art skull damage. And so does uh, Morgak. He has the push requires a thing. And that push action is, is, is busted. It's very strong. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll, you know, it's interesting. I actually, you know, I never thought I'd defend Morgok's crushes, but <laughs> I actually, so I'm looking at it from a championship lens. I actually don't think this change is needed. 
Um, I think with the changes to the large rule, with some of the healing cards that got restricted that we'll talk about in a moment, like I think there was plenty of change that occurred in the game to where we could see where they're at and what they're doing and how they perform. You know, crushes are a boogeyman per se, but we haven't seen them have a like a high level finish since Beastgrave. Maybe maybe early Dire Chasm. So like, it, it really feels like it really feels like the internet is talking about this. Let's nerf it somehow. But it's not even that. Like the only reason why I think this change happened is Rivals Plus or Rivals. Sure. Yeah, that's actually very true. It's the only reason I can think of. Jason, I agree with that. Like I, I feel like this is preemptive type thing for those types of formats with rivals and rivals plus um as we know that rivals plus is gaining a lot of traction in certain metas um you know then in that format in rivals and rivals plus damage is hard to come by and when you have three five wound fighters that's hard enough to deal with anyway let alone they have ways to mitigate damage um and then really their one weakness is their accuracy. And that's why you needed two walk hunters to inspire, right? Is to, to up that accuracy um, tremendously of the war band. Um, and that's, that's where I see it. I just don't know if I like it. Um, I don't, I, I think they're, they're hard to inspire now. And I don't know if I like that. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think it's a bit inelegant. I think maybe a better change would have been a cap on walk counters. Mm. Like if it was if it was capped at two, like you inspire at two, you cap at two, you can still attack, attack, and get two without charging or like push attack. Um, and then it was like you have two, and that's it. And like you have to use and spend them really quick. You can't just like bank them up and then use them precipitously over time. Like I think maybe that would have been slightly more elegant while giving you like you know, encouraging good play. Um, now they really just are an ABC deck and always be charged in deck. And is that good or bad for the game? I don't know. It's certainly more thematic for the for the kind of warband they are and the way that the faction operates in the lore. Um, I mean, I like the I like the phrase you use. I think it is a little bit inelegant. That being said, like. You know, I mean, I think it does put limitations on the way you build the deck. I think now you have to take cards that give you walk counters, and previously you could ignore that, and you could maybe take a commanding stride or, you know, some other push cards that can help you, you know, counter charge even, that can help you line up to where you can make attacks. Now it's like, well, if you if you have to always be charging, then maybe you need some more help in the Gambit deck to get those walk counters, like wall energy and stuff like that. Yeah, or you just replace all your pushes with... Um accuracy cards and you're like okay well just take a determined effort because if i'm going to charge anyway i might as well charge with plus one mm. dice or something like that this wasn't i didn't think about this pre-show so i don't know the answer to my questions but how much damage is in the game like without dire chasm cards like i only mm. can remember there's the one from illusionary might where you can get plus one damage if you have more upgrades and then now weapons master weapons master there's the new one that's uh, plus one if you're in shadow in a cover hex cover hex, uh, yeah so yeah that's like there's that's th- there's three in uh, essentials there's great strength uh glory seeker uh fighters ferocity yeah uh inspired attack is in um essentials it um is. 
I was going to say Ferocious Strike, but that'll be rotating out Dire Chasm. Um, so, so most of the damage comes from Essentials. A lot mm-hmm. of it comes from Essentials, yes. The only thing that we will that we have from Dire Chasm is Feral Symbiote and Savage Strength, which... Berserker's Rage. That, Berserker that too. Rage, yeah. That too, yeah. Um, and Punching Up, I guess. There's the new Heave Ho for Destruction. Uh, Grand Alliance, which is mm. uh, if you knock back more than two hexes, um, it deal with extra damage. So it's kind of like a twist the knife type of thing as an upgrade. Because um, if we just, I mean, Essentials is there. So I mm-hmm. think there is enough damage. But the, my thought was, if we see rotation in the future, is there enough damage left in the game to not have to go and stand next to one of them and just get bopped on the head, right? So like if they charge first and you don't have the damage to one-shot them, then it's fine to stand next to them and kind of plink them away. But if you don't have access to damage, like, you kind of want them to have to charge. Yeah, they're going to get a walk counter and, you know, inspire. But the, uh, yeah, I just think that that, it just feels rivals and rivals plus is really what I'm getting at. Like, that's what it feels. And it's going to put a big focus on rivals and rivals plus towards, um, which there already is, but just factions that have those tools available to them. Dreppers has a great strength in faction. There's a lot of factions that have a great strength or something equivalent. Um, and it's just going to make those feel more premium because they already do feel very premium in Rivals Plus because especially some events that do Rivals Plus without essentials, like if you're one of the factions that can get to four damage innately, you're rocking and a lot of factions can't do that. So four. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. You you can finish the damage because I'm going to change the subject a little bit. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to go like, I was going to segue because that was, the you know the the damage and events Mm. is uh, but so finish your thought. Yeah. Um. So interestingly, the more and more I think about this beta rule, I actually think you can just this might tilt crushes to be more of a passive, warband now because they already got some. Decent surges Maybe. for scoring, like holding feature tokens. And there's an incredible number of cards in the card pool now that reward you for flipping tokens and holding cover hexes. And I think if, you know, we talk about like the, that the biggest weakness for that type of archetype is like getting run down by aggro. But crushes also naturally gatekeep aggro because they're high wound count. So we might see crushes become more passive. And I don't know if that's a good thing either. Um uh, I think passive crushes gets absolutely destroyed by a few things, though. I think there's a couple factions in the game that roll over them. Um, Exile Dead being one. Uh, mm. uh, I think some of the ranged war bands being another one. Uh, like even if you deploy far back, like uh, if, for instance, purifiers can move and set up like a Bahanar and My- Miari combo, just like sit there with a range two and blast you off. Like, yeah, you know, you still have range three and you can charge, but like. I don't know. I, th- I think there's enough things in the game that can just deal with that. Like I think, I think passive crushes is easier to deal with than I stack up and then I berserk fortitude and then my Morgok is unkillable type of crushes. Hmm. But maybe yeah, I don't I know. we'll see. Remains to be seen, I suppose. Hmm. Well, again, it is a beta rule, and for those community members out there that think that GW doesn't listen, there is an email address right here that says. Warhammer Underworlds at GWPLC.com. They want your feedback. Mm-hmm. 
to see if this beta rule is what we have going forward. Fair yeah, enough, so. and, and to clarify, it's WH Underworlds. Oh, WH, sorry. Yeah, Wonder Worlds. Wonder Worlds. Wonder Worlds. Um, okay, so now we're going to jump to the Forsaken and Restricted list, everyone's favorite topic. That's why we save it for last. Um, just a couple quick updates here. The deck construction and the boards and everything have been updated. So Nether Maze is now legal, mm. <laughs> <laughs> including all the boards available that come in that box set. Um, going over to the Forsaken and Restricted cards... There is a new Forsaken card added to the pile. And I believe this is probably the... Yeah, I guess Ferocious Resistance was the first card. But this is the um, second card that's been added to this list that did not cause a rules conundrum, per se. You could argue that it may have. But we have scant resources that joins the Forsaken list. Any strong opinions on this change? Jason, you want to go first? I have some thoughts. Um, so until this release, I like really supported this. Just like, just go. I only because it was in every deck and it was like you scored and I scored. So really just washing to glory. I just, it was, it was the samey samey, but some of the other rulings that we've talked about today with cover hexes and um, darkening stone, it's like, okay, like, this card should just be in the, in the game. At least it makes them an objective token. <laughs> like, um, so that's my thoughts on it. I, it's fine that it's on the forsaken list, but given what else we have to work with currently, I don't think it needed to go there. So. Um, I would, I actually agree very much with that. Uh, not just darkening stone, but also like, you know, and halls of hidden eyes kind of go along with that. But like a lot of the stuff introduced in nether maze, like it makes you think, about whether a, a whether a token is cover or objective, because there's a lot of cards that punish you for being a cover. We just talked about at the beginning of this uh, suffocating mists. Uh, Shadeborn have a suffocating mist second. So like being on cover hexes is scary in Nether Maze because there's a lot of there's ping damage. There's rerolls against people in cover hexes. There's plus one damage against people in cover hexes. You know, there's like there's all these things that are like yeah, you're going to get that defensive bonus, but I'm going to like one shot you, <laughs> you know, like it, So like flipping objectives is much more of a thing that people have to think about now. And for that reason, I, I don't think we're always just going to like, you could argue that like, oh yeah, well then they're just not going to get on feature tokens in the first place anyway, unless they're running dominant positions. So they're like, they're, there's like pluses and minuses to that, but I don't know. I, I don't think it needed to be restricted either. So I guess I'm going to fight you both on this one. Okay. Um, I think when a card is so ubiquitous in the game to where like you might, you're not even running a strategy that revolves around holding feature tokens or being on feature tokens and you score it, I think is a bit silly. Hmm. Um, we talk about counterplay and I, I do agree. You can like throw the fish on there. There's some beasts that you can place on there. The zombies. Ex- yeah, they're beasts. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so there is counterplay now. Um, but does scant resources being in the game make the game like objectively better? I don't know if that's a yes or a no, but it doesn't. I don't think it's a strong yes is what I'm saying. Right. Um, and is does it leaving the game make the game objectively better or worse? I don't know. 
I, I personally think yes, you might disagree, but I just think like if it's in your hand and your opponent can score it for you and they're probably going to take it, it's just silly that you get two free glory. It's like extreme flank, right? Extreme mm-hmm. flank had some rules conundrums, so I can understand the forsaken aspect, but the fact that like it's just free glory, I think is a little, a little silly. Um, here, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's still stuff to go through, but, um, it's like a hypothetical because we've, we've seen now with shade, uh, shadow keeper, them eroding cards rather than throwing it on the restricted list. What if they had eroded scant resources to be one glory? Have they ever changed the cards to glory? No, no, they haven't. And, you know, they also have never changed, you know, they, they've done a lot of stuff in recent years that they haven't done in the past. Mm-hmm. But like if, if scant resources was one all of a sudden, so it was equivalent to wasteland, which some people run, some people don't, even though it's very easy to score. And like, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not that two glory swing that kind of gets you power in your end step to upgrade two objectives instead of just one objective. Like, would you run it in your deck still? I, I So if scant was one, one glory. I don't even think it'd be restricted. I think that, yeah, I think that's true too. And, you know, we have taught, you know, the only reason I bring it up is because like shadow keeper is a card that if unerotted would have absolutely been on the restricted list this time around, but they didn't mm-hmm. d- decide to go for the, well, let's change the card instead of just make it not available. And, um, I think maybe they could have done that because I think Scant is kind of an interesting card like I talked about, but I don't want to belabor the point too much. I just, that, that, that was kind of my only thought on it. What about you, Jason? Any counter to what I, I said? Or? I think if it's one glory, it, it's fine and it's there, but I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that we've, with the influx of new cards, it would have been nice to have an objective easy score so sure that's that's fair yeah and i guess yeah and well we don't know rotation details but uh, i would assume that it's not in the game for very much longer so um let's talk about power cards um so we're looking at restricted cards no other objectives were restricted um did this surprise anybody did anyone think any objective cards were going to get restricted i think it's weird that well Again, it's one glory. I think it's weird that Wasteland didn't get on when it's about as easy to score as scant resources. Um, I don't think it, like you said about ubiquitousness, um, The so that was like, I kind of expected, but I'm like not surprised that it's not on there. The one that I'm kind of not surprised, kind of surprised isn't on there is one of um, Unafraid or Bold Deeds. Because kind of the, you know, going along with Morgok, um, you know, the way they were talking about them, we were just talking about them being kind of a boogeyman and them getting touched a little bit in the errata with the beta rule. <clears throat> uh, and we've, we're also going to see, um, uh, we've seen in the past Rippas and them both get restricted cards. That kind of like invasive aggro is very ubiquitous, especially at the mid tables. And I kind of expected to see one or both just show up on there to like kind of tone that down. But on the other hand, like I know that is GW's preferred style. Like they want people to be in the middle of things. They want people to be fighting and those cards kind of lean into that style, but you do see them a lot. The three most popular warbands, Elthane's, Morgox, Ripa's or most popular before this recent release. Um, we're all running all three of those cards. 
and a lot of other warbands are running them too. Um, like unless you were a swarm warband, you're kind of considering having them in your deck. So I was a little surprised to not see one of them on there, but hmm. I kind of understand why they're not. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think we need more data to be honest. Yeah. There's not been a whole lot of events played. Sure. Yeah. I do think whores in the dark was something that I could have seen on there possibly. Hmm. Especially with the change to, well, not the change, but the 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 popularity of Darkening Stone now. <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, uh, one more thing on the scan resources. Just thinking about it, it frees up a restricted slot, so more um, diversity in deck building too. Sure. Some something to think about. Um, power cards. So this is where we're going to see most, if not all, of the additions here. First one is Berserker's Rage. What do we think about this? It's fine. I mean, I'm still on the uh, the Jonathan train for many, many months ago that it should be great strength that gets the R and you know great fortitude. But Berserker's Rage is a plus one dice, plus one damage. So I uh, there is a big downside to not rolling defense dice, but it does give dice, which is historically what ends up in the restricted list. I think a lot of factions will still run it. I'm still going to use. I still have it as one of my cards in Exile Dead. After this change, it's anyone that can res. It's still a fantastic card on. Agreed, and it's it, and historically, it's always going to go on fighters that are lower wounds. Anyways, Berserker's mm-hmm. Rage yeah. is more of like a here's my one shot charge. Hopefully, it works out. Type stuff. If I can get two attacks off of it, great. Mm-hmm. You know so. Um, the next one we see, and I'm going to actually group them, is Delicious Morsel, Healing Potion, and Spirit Comb. What do you guys think there? Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I mean, it's the whole package is gone. I, this, well, you know, to Jason's point, you know, we were ta- just talking about damage cards all get restricted except um, Great Strength. But here we see all these healing cards get restricted and healing potion. So that's a little different, actually. What do you think about that? I'm, I support it. I mean, it just, healing is great in the game. I like it. Heck, there's a whole war band that run revolves around it. But when you can combine those three things with uh, additional wounds, we've already seen that this is where we can get into trouble with the large wound fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like they're gone. They can still take these cards. They just have to make decisions on not taking other stuff. So I support these going to the restricted list. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think big boys, I'm not going to change my tune. It's been years, guys. Big boys, <laughs> they already have so much advantage in the game. And then for them to be able to say, oh, you charged me for three damage? Okay, here's two of those wounds gone. I just pretty much invalidated your whole action. Is a little annoying. Yeah. So I think Jason's very correct in that. You can still do that, but you give up other resources or other strategies or other powerful cards, which is cool. Um, and I think in addition to that, we're going to see less wounds, right? Like great fortitudes and stuff in the game because of the large rule. Hmm. And so a great way to get around that was healing. But again, now that that's limited, I think the designers are choosing, like making you choose. You either go large or you don't and you pay the penalty either way, right? So I think that's really exciting, really helpful. I also think, and this is something I alluded to earlier, is that like surges are really crazy now. So you can score surges very easily and very passively. So like this also limits um, 
you know, stacking wounds and then healing when you take the damage. Cause the big boys can still potentially do both, right? If you start mm-hmm. large, I think you might as well invest in the wounds cause you're already going to give up two regardless. So I think with that, I think it makes sense. I'm a little annoyed about delicious morsel, but I think bias aside, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I think this this alludes back to something I said before, but this makes healing in faction feel a lot more um, mm. uh, high value. Like if you're, uh, I know a lot of the Stormcast factions have healing potions in them. I know um, uh, Xandar's reaction. Yeah, Xandar's reaction. There's um, uh, the the Guardians. I keep wanting to just say Sylvan. The Guardians have a. Uh, healing potion as well. Like infections that have it, like if you have it and you have a good defensive fighter, like now it's going to feel way more valuable than everybody else who is just able to take a healing potion anyway. Agreed. Um, fun fact about Xandar's truth seekers. I played a game against Craig, one of our patrons, Fryi, and he like charges Xandar in, you know, kill her. He heals Doraz for two and he scores loss leader. And I was like, oh, that's such a great strategy. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Xander is actually really good. I'm surprised more people aren't playing them. Yeah, I think they're the the, the current pool helps them a lot. So mm-hmm. um speaking of I guess mitigating damage, um, we have inured by hunger, which I think it took its time to get here, but well deserved. Um Jason, you looks like you're very happy to see I, it go. Yeah, it's I hate, I hate these cards. I like personally hate them. They're fine for the game. They're great in the game. They have their place. I just, uh, they annoy the heck out of me when I'm playing the game. Cause I it's like, Oh, I can do five damage. Oh, you can mitigate all of this with your tokens. So. Mm, yeah, I agree. Um, as someone who benefited from this card greatly recently, <laughs> I definitely think it's a card that deserves its spot here. Damage mitigation in this game historically is just very strong. So agreed. Which is weird that, uh, which is why it still feels weird that um, Narrow Escape and Skin of Their Teeth aren't on this list. Not that, not that uh, um, Cunn and Crew is like destroying events or anything, but like, man, that is a feels bad card every time it comes up. <laughs> He just has something against Ripa. Like any shot he can take. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Just do it. I want him to be out of the game. <laughs> Rotate those those punks right now. <laughs> um, well, we'll get to to some faction stuff in a bit here. The last one, and I think the one that we can all probably make the least comments on, is Silent Helm being added to the Universal Restricted List. It's a good card. Yeah. As a crit lover, thank you. I want my crits to mean something. <laughs> Yeah, interestingly enough, I still think you always take this card unless you just don't need it. Uh, Depends on faction. I mean, my Wraith Creepers are very, very full on uh, restricted cards, and I don't feel like I need that when I have other better defensive cards like Paul of Fear, and they have their own great fortitude. Like, do I really need that on top when I could take a different restricted card instead? Probably not. Yeah, it depends, right? Like, I think Paul of Fear, Silent Helm. It's a good combo. Yeah, for sure. And another, another defense is pretty good. So, yeah, it depends on your deck, but I don't think it's an auto include yeah. for me, at least. Fair enough. I, I, I still think we'll see this card a lot, though. Probably oh, yeah, the, sure. yeah. the most popular selection of the, of the cards here. Hmm. So that does it for Universals. Um, 
I think we've kind of shared general thoughts and general sentiments, so mm-hmm. we'll just jump to factions. Um, Crimson Court takes another bullet with a spirited attempt being hit. What are our thoughts? Do they just hate vampires, man? Like, I know they were doing well in Europe, but like, dang, this feels targeted at this point. So, I have thoughts, but Jason, no, before no, I go on, no, no, I want you to just go let, let it go loose, in. man. All right, listen, we've we've taken an eared by hunger, which is literally a vampire card. We've hit delicious morsel, which is again literally a vampire card. So why are they getting hit with a third card? And I, okay, fine. Maybe they've got some really good faction cards. They need to be limited, but why spirited attempt? I mean, Mm. if anything, like they're more easy to be one shotted now. So this card might be harder to score because the large rule is such a, um, there's so much, there's like such a big, uh, it disincentivizes you to take, you know, the wound cards. And so if you're going to restrict a card, Instead of hitting their surges, you probably should have hit Death's Domain. Right? Yeah. Like, but I just I think three vampire cards is overkill. Like, if you look in Australia, like they weren't doing very well. Yeah, they won an event in Italy. Yes, I won Adepticon, but like I I think it was just they're popular, but doesn't mean they're they're broken. Like they, I think they're a very beatable faction. And I don't think anybody thinks they're OP, personally. Yeah, it feels like a targeted like somebody there doesn't like them because like like you said they don't feel op yes they have two event wins under their belt but it was really off the back of very good players and you know there's always luck in matchups and dice and stuff going through the event etc etc but like but yeah it should have been death's domain 100 percent because that would have been in line with all their other hold all or hold mm-hmm. you know x uh, cards that would have have been in line with scant and claim the city and okay, the the only reason Spirit Attempt is good is if the entire meta shifts to like weenie attacks and a bunch of two damage attacks. But yeah, it's the only thing I agree a hundred percent with you guys, right? Like it should have been Death's Domain uh, or a different card. The only like the only way the only reason I can see that this making the the cut to hit the restricted list is it does feel bad for your opponent. You run in, you hit, you make an attack, you deal damage, knowing you're not going to take them out of action in 08, and you give them a glory. Like, But you, you take damage to score the glory. Like, isn't that fair, though? Yeah, and you have to, like, you might have to, like, expose a fighter that you don't want to expose, and it's like, you are still setting up the kill, even if they're getting a glory in the process. Like, I don't know. I see your point, though, Jason. I can see how that can be a feel bad. I understand that. It just, we've seen it historically, where if the attacker gives a glory away to the defender, like they typically hit the restricted list. Yeah. To be fair though, I actually don't even think like, is this that big of a nerf? Like the more and more I think about it, probably not because like you just take all the flip surges. You don't need this card. Well, in, in six months when, uh, sudden revelation and uh, ever downwards get restricted then then maybe we'll return to this and be like man i really wish spirit attempt was not restricted (laughs) that's fair but i think right now like if 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 this is if like okay the healing yes boohoo but i'm not tripping on i mean i am tripping because it should have been death's domain i think that's the better card to hit but ultimately i don't think my search pool is that impacted if i were to play vampires moving forward 
Uh, but another contentious choice, I think, is for Canaan's Reapers, and this is Hatred of the Living. What are our thoughts on this card? Um, and for those of you who are not familiar, Hatred of the Living is an upgrade that's restricted to Canaan. Essentially, you can reroll one attack dice in this fighter's attack rolls for range one and two attack actions, and you can react if he takes damage you can discard the card and reduce the damage by one. It feels in line is the only thing I have to say about it. Every, maybe not every, but most other big guys got their rerolls restricted. Famed Hunter is restricted. I believe that's his um, uh, Hrothgorn's um, reroll uh, for Molog's Mob. Foul Temper is restricted. Um, this is Kynan's reroll. It's also a damage reduction, which have been restricted. Uh, we've seen here in this one. So like it feels in line, like if they were going to restrict a card, this is the type of card that they restrict. But were Reapers really kind of like making everyone feel bad by existing? I, I don't think they needed a restricted card. It seems a little odd. Jason, any thoughts ditto, on that? Ditto, 100%. Like it doesn't... It fits all the criteria of a restricted card. I just don't think Reapers were, they don't need the restricted, but who knows? I mean, yeah. they have a lot of fighters and, and I think the combination of dire ultimatum, like forcing you to have to t attack Kanan, like that combo with this feels not as good. Cause like if the attack does go through to on him, then he's going to reduce the damage. And then if he doesn't reduce the damage and standing next to him, he's going to reroll and bot me. So mm -hmm. it's like, I see that combo, but I don't, yeah, I don't, they weren't lighting the, the world on fire unless you're playing with <laughs> certain someone. Benji. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. So I think you're both absolutely correct in the reasons why, you know, big boy with a reroll, a fighter that hits for three damage inspires, inspires to four, right? Uh, yes, inspires to four damage and has a scything. Yeah, so that's just like, you know, very Molog territory-ish in a way in terms of an attack profile. So I can understand, you know, with Foul Temper being restricted, it makes a lot of sense. Damage reduction, again, especially on a big boy, you know, makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Kanan's is a warband that is really good in an environment in which the player has a lot of reps. Um and I just don't think they're that popular of a warband, period. Mm -hmm. And I think the people who tend to do well in events, um, whether online or in person, haven't really picked them up. Um, and so, like, we're waiting for someone to, you know, do really well with them. And I don't think we've seen that outside of Benji, right? And Benji's community, um, we don't know how truly big or, or small it is, right? So, there is some lack of knowledge there but to be honest like i don't think this is backbreaking for kanan's reapers like i don't even think half the time you took the card so it depended on you, your build uh, i i think the thing i will say is this this does feel a little bit preventative like if they know that in the next two sets we're going to get some universal cards that are like oh big boy fighters are really good now and then there wasn't a restriction on kanan like maybe they were like, oh, we just kind of like want to nip this in the bud before we release these cards. I'm like maybe that's what's happening here. Maybe not. But well, I also I also think it's important to remember that like sometimes 
Like it's not about chasing the bleeding edge, right? Like it's like, does the average player have a bad experience against Kanan hitting on a reroll for three or four damage? True. That's something to consider as well. True. Jason, it looked like you were going to say something. Well, no, I, that's I, that's where I think it comes. I think that yeah. the new player interaction here, it again, it just hits the criteria of those two things that the new player could feel bad about, mm-hmm. like damage mitigation paired with a couple of cards where I have to go stand next to a big bad guy that's going to one-shot me. Oh, and he's got a reroll. And range two. Yeah. yeah. So, big guys already feel really bad for new players in general, I think. Agreed. Okay. So next one, unsurprisingly, Elderthane's Soul Raid. Um, this was Speed of the Flood Tide. This is a surge. Score this after an activation if you have three or more fighters in uh, enemy territory. So what do we think? Jason, any strong thoughts? They, need, they needed something. Like something needed to hit the, the restricted slot for them. I, um, you know, Speed of the Flood Tide is probably their easiest. So I'm, you know, fine with it. Uh, well, one of their easiest, right? So I'm fine with it going there. It's great. I would have liked the double move, but whatever. I think that uh, Surging Tide is the double move card. I, I think that would have been a better fit because they generally hit passive cards more. Um, it would have been more in line. And I think Speed of the Flood Tide, like, yes, it is very easy because you can just fish and then you can scuttle and then you can move and, like, bada bing, like, within two activations, you've scored this if you have it in your opening hand. Like, obviously, it's very easy. But also, like, Speed of the Flood Tide exposes you. You're squishy. Like, yeah, you can bring one dude back and the fish never dies, but, like, you know, if your crab dies early, that's bad. <laughs> if you're, if uh, Furin does, dies early, that's bad. Like, it is a card that exposes you. And I think it, I would have liked to see Surging Tide because I've scored Scourge, Surging Tide just like running around in my backfield and never interacting with my opponent. And that feels much worse for the game. Hmm. But do you, so if you take Surging Tide out, I mean, are, are they getting started? And I guess that that's where the, like, I kind of think like surging tide and, you know, one of the support surges, right. For mm-hmm. an attack action. Um, and I do not have as many reps as all the other players in yourself on uh, soul raid. But what I found when I did play them is they kind of crescendo, right? Like even with objectives, like I score a lot, turn one, get a lot and turn two, then turn three is where I'm struggling. And like, speed of the flood tide feels more like a turn two, turn three card. And that could really like stall them out even more allowing the opponents to kind of catch up. I actually think it's the other way around. Speed of the flood tide is harder in round three because you, you lose fighters. Like, especially if somebody can get to Elthane and, and punk him early, like you, you do bleed fighters pretty quickly because they're a squishy warband. Um, I mean, good defense is round two, obviously um, w- when you're in high tide, whatever. Um, but I-, I have often found in round three, I am either two fighters left, you know, like one, like it's just Elthane and the fish or it's like three fighters left, but I have to run and hide with Elthane because he's on two wounds or something. And for that, like, yeah, you can still score it, but it's not, it's less guaranteed. Like in round one, where I just like blitz into the enemy territory and like kill stuff and stand there and do whatever. I'm scoring horrors in the dark. I'm scoring this. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't have a huge amount of reps. I'm not like the most well-played soul raid player. It just, I, I, 
I think there were better picks for this restricted slot than this is, is my opinion. I agree. I, I agree. I just think that they're kind of a razor's edge warband, and if you hit them too hard, you might just push them to the other side of the equation. Yeah. Um, so like maybe they were looking for something middle of the road, but that's fair. That's actually a, a good. Yeah. I also think that this is the one card that almost always supports their their natural game plan, mm-hmm. which is to you know wave into the enemy board, enemy side, and start killing stuff. And I think that's where this warband wants to live. I think it's designed that way. I think it's been best played that way. And when you take down or you limit a card that is always going to follow the natural progression of their game plan, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think in some cases, as you mentioned, you know, like, yeah, you know, the surging tide is more passive. But, you know, when you're charging an enemy territory and then you draw it later in the game and you're already next to your target, are you going to move away? Like, I think there's a little bit more game plan there. Whereas mm-hmm. for, from what I've seen in my experience, soul raid is always going to be living in the opponent's territory, which is why I think this might make more sense. Do I think they should have had another card? I mean, I could have easily seen cloud of midnight be hit instead. I yeah. Think, but I, you know, I think, um, and this is maybe like getting on a, a bit of a tangent. I, I feel like for some war bands, the restricted slot works as a way to, or the faction restricted cards work as a way to say you only get two restricted slots because Elthanes is still going to take this every single time. So soul raid is now a two restricted slot warband because this is always going to be in your deck, right? So cloud of midnight might not have been if cloud midnight gets restricted, maybe I drop it from my deck and I take three other restricted cards, but not the same with speed of the flood tide. Right. It's another good point. Yeah. So I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, are there any cards? Oh, and let's address this as well. Slick Rock's off the list. My boy Slick Rock did nothing wrong. <laughs> um, Jason, I think you liked that card, right? I, I liked it back in the day when when they didn't start on Gloom. When there were yeah, objectives on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this makes sense. You know, I think it's a healthy change and le- giving it. Uh, some maybe some life in the final stages of um, its life cycle potentially. So overall, um, any cards that were surprised, still not happy with, or they think we missed, or we think they missed. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. Um, I think a lot of the cards feel pretty balanced right now like they a lot of the effects that we have seen restricted in the past like distraction type effects feel very balanced at the moment maybe we could have seen center of attention on here just because it is very commonly taken as a very powerful effect but i think it's also just a a well-balanced card it's got upsides it's got downsides it's not always the perfect card in every situation so like but great strength and great fortitude possibly could have been on here i would not have been surprised to eventually see him on there Jason, we got another comment. There we go. He's coming over. <laughs> um, Jonathan still heads the church, even though he's taking a break. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, I'm actually really surprised they um, they didn't hit that cunning crew card, where it's like score when you have two or more supporting fighters because of like how easy it is to supporting fighter. But maybe the large change um, with Manok is you know. Mm-hmm. Enough of a debuff or a, bu- you know, if you will. Yeah. 
Jason, anything on here that you wish to have seen? No, I, I think we're from a card standpoint, it, we're pretty good. You know, I guess the only comment I'll make is I want it to be very clear and on record that I don't like day one restrictions at all. Like I like for cards to come out, make a purchase, play with them, whether they're strong, not strong. But I do think that just the set, this update as a whole, it was really cool that we got day one updates and rulings on a lot of cards, but then it felt weird that like it didn't carry over to the far list. Right. So it was just, it was just odd that we had both sides of it, but are you trying again, to say ferocious bite? Well, there's a couple like <laughs> sudden, sudden revelation, like yeah, just sure. slap, bam. <laughs> yeah. I think no one would have cared if that was restricted day one. But also, but, they should they should restrict uh, loaded with plunder. <laughs> Which one's loaded with plunder? The one you hate for rippers. Oh. You can score it when you're dead now. Oh, that, yeah, no, that should obviously be restricted. That should just that should be banned. Actually, I think they should forsake it. They should just not have a legal uh, rivals deck. Hmm. Did you, were you like did, is someone in your meta just play rippas nonstop? is that one it? one of my I, one of my regular practice partners is rippas i always give him a hard time he's always like i don't mean to play rippas all the time i just really like them and then he's just like you know slaughter because i'm because i'm always like experimenting i'm like i'm gonna try play you know starblood stalkers and he's like i'm gonna play my hyper tuned rippas deck and he just like tears through it and i'm like well i don't want to play these guys anymore you know like <laughs> Rippers, rippers are hard to play against when they roll average on the wolf fights. Yes. If not, if not better than average. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge, but um, good. Okay. Well, overall, I think good changes to the game, to the meta. We were really happy for the support. Mm-hmm. Um, so very quickly, um, do we have any predictions on how the meta is going to shake out? Do you think aggro is still good? Do you think, you know, gloom token feature t- control is the future? Do we think there's some winners, losers? What are your hot takes? Uh, Jason, you can go first. So my my hot take is I don't know. <laughs> like, there's such a such an influx of cards. Uh, I think you alluded to it on a previous episode is, like, we got three sets of like you know like we got a whole starter set and a warband on the same day like there's just so many cards to digest and and then on top of that three warbands so for the first time in a long time i really don't know i think that my gut tells me we're going to swing two feature token play um but i really hope that 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 aggro stays because i like the current meta um or like the previous current meta. Um, but as far as like a warband getting hit hard or feel strong, I I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. You tell me Shadeborn all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the it, it's hard to talk about the cards because, yeah, there's a lot to parse. And also they affect warbands differently. Like there's a, a lot of cards for aggro. There's a lot of cards for passive. There's a lot of cards for mook warbands. There's a lot of cards for big boy warbands. So I think the only thing I can really go off personally is like the rules changes from nether maze. Plus some of the rules changes here. 
Um, so the big things being like the large change, the out of action fighter ch- uh, changes, stuff like that. Um, and that's really just going to depend on are people going to stop bringing wounds because they're afraid of the large bounty? And if the answer is yes, then there's a number of warbands that can hit that four mark, but not the five mark in terms of damage. And I think those warbands are just going to see a huge leap in power level if people stop bringing great fortitudes in their deck and people stop playing crushes because of the beta rule and people stop playing big boys because of some of the, you know, kind of targeted nerfs against them. You know, those warbands that are sitting at three damage and like, you know, can take a little bit of ping or a great strength or something and then suddenly hit all, you know, hit everything out of the park. I think that might start to to be a metagame. Yeah, I think ripped the first half of that right out of my mind. Like, I'm totally on the same page with you. I think we're going to see more Horde Warbands that like to fight. And the reason I believe that is, A, for all the reasons you mentioned surrounding wounds and damage, but also the fact that we're going to lean towards more feature token control, Mm -hmm. right? So we got the objectives and the cover hexes and the glooms and flipping and all that. So it's like, okay, I have a bunch of fighters who can jump on. Game state doesn't really change. I can score my glory. And then I can just go punch forward with, you know, my Briar Queen Mm -hmm. or my Kanan or my Kenta or my Clactrock. Um, And so... I think this is like, I actually think Reapers are on the come up. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're going to do really well in this type of environment. I think any other warband that plays similar to them, like the Exile Dead. Um, but I also think like, if you're going to play Elite, you got to take wounds because now every fighter is going to be so much more killable. But then you give up that two glory. So again, you got those issues there. So yeah, I don't know. I think, I think this is like a five warband, five fighter and up warband meta. Except Shadeborn, because I think they're really good. So, if you... The Reapers is a really good call-out, and I wasn't thinking that, because we've... So, Kanan's Reapers, at least locally, and anything that I've played in has been, like, Horde aggro. And I think XL Dead go to that, do that better now. But I haven't seen an objective or feature token hold with Kanan's Reapers, and I think there's play there. Um, So, that's that's a, a really good shout out. And then I think that headcrackers can kind of rise to the top now because they have mm-hmm. the primacy to kind of offset the large fighter, you know, loss or gain. Um, and if the horde warbands do start to pick up, like I think headcrackers can kind of gobble up some some hordes. So yeah, I think that's a great shout, especially with instinctive shield. Hmm. Like there's some really good destruction wizard stuff that headcracker can take advantage of. Yeah, and it's interesting you say it, Headcracker. They, not the first one that jumped to my mind, but when you talk about Horde aggro type thing, like Profiteers, Wraith Creepers are both really, really, really good at tearing those types of warbands apart. Oh. I love Profiteers. I love me some gun dwarves. Me too. <laughs> me America's, too. It's but, America's warband. But I like Exile Dead more, and I'm terrified of going into profiteers because they have some rough matchup. they have cleave oh my gosh what a nightmare i just i've seen some decks out there for like gets and exile dead that score upwards of 20 glory in their objective decks which has me very nervous on yeah getting surrounded gets by is another, gets is another one that comes to mind yeah aggro gets you can take a bunch of upgrades. That's a good shout jason also don't sleep on the far striders i think there's some ping oh. that's really helpful <laughs> 
someday, someday am, they'll make him good. Oh, he is just just going to the well. You're going to the well. Am I though? You have you have all this pain. I mean, the grievous thing did hurt. The grievous hurt on on uh, fighters Frosty and Sanson. That's fair, but I don't think they're that bad. When you when you start playing them, then I'll believe you. <laughs> I'm gonna play new stuff, bro. I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing. That was that was five years ago, dude. They don't exist so, anymore. Yeah, they uh, they're gonna sit in the, the the painting or the glass cabinet. But Klopak and Shadeborn, I actually think Klopak is gonna be a great call as well because you're going to see, you know, a lot of these warbands that are larger are going to take like some punching up damage type cards and try to kill you. And then you have um, like three cards that just say, you, just, pff, you no. can't attack me. <laughs> um, so I probably expect them to get restricted at some point. Cause some of them are just really good. And Ken, um, Ken whispers uh, range three with the, the barb on it is mm-hmm. insanely good against like an exile dead in particular, because you just want to keep making move actions. Like, Mm-hmm. You just like ping a zombie and it's like, that guy's dead or you're just sitting there. Either way, yeah. I'm happy with it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think they're, um, I haven't played this matchup yet, but I have a deck that I think is like, good against Soul Raid because they're just like round two, you just save all your cards to like, and then two, you take half their round two away. It's like, oh, you can't attack my assassins. Oh, you can't, you know, I only take one damage and it's like, Oh yeah, and then you kill my mook instead of my leader. Yeah, there's there's your entire inspire round gone, buddy. <laughs> then you put your leader on three dodge because that's a card as well. Yes, yeah, they've got some really good tricks in there. I think, I think like per the review, I think we agree the objective deck is the weakest. But mm-hmm. there's some they can still do they can still flip stuff. It doesn't matter. Everybody's flipping stuff. Hey man, stagger's gonna make a comeback someday. You'll see that stagger um, deck will work. <laughs> I've seen some people talk about it and I, I still, I don't, I don't believe it. Uh, Jason, do you like stagger Skaven? So yeah, I've been working on, you know, for our Patreon listeners uh, or supporters, I've been working on a um, skitter shank uh, stagger deck because skate like full Skaven going back to spice sauce swarm. No, I don't like the stagger mechanic, but I do think that, Skittershank has some play in Stagger. Also, like Murder Skaven are back. They're just without the res mechanic, you have to be a little more thoughtful, like more, you know, flex into it. Um, but putting those models together really got me uh, intrigued because I had said, no, I'm not going to play the rats. I've done them before. The models are so good. The Murder Skaven with Stagger could be a thing. I agree, man. Like I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Skaven aesthetic. I have some PTSD and from Warhammer Fantasy against Skaven players, but dude, like when I built the miniatures, I completely agree. I was like, man, I gotta play these guys. I just gotta figure it out. So I agree. Yeah. Last question for everyone before we round out the episode. Name a warband that you haven't named yet that you're excited to try in the new meta. So so for me. It's both in rivals and in championship, and that's uh, Black Powder Buccaneer. Mm. I have not played them, and I think that the uh, Maze Breacher deck for rivals gives me some play to play them locally. And then I wanna, I wanna um, 
bring up other than Shades, Shadeborn. Shadeborn will be like, I'll see you at Nova with my Shadeborn, but um, Black Powder will be my fun warband. Are you calling out Nova right now? Uh, well, I'm, I didn't say I was going to win. I just said I see you there with them. That's all I no, said. But that's what I'm saying. Is like, are you are you calling it out right? No matter what releases, you're playing Shadeborn. Um, yeah, like, yes, like they have the they have that feel uh, that I like. So Good. they have a wizard. They have like they're kind of this glass aggro, uh, and I really like the the jumping the shadow ambush. Um, yeah, I. Unless something really changes, I think that that's what I'm going for. To the point I'm talking to my guy to do like a display board for him. So, Ooh, mm, nice. very nice. Um, Zach, how about yourself? Um, I think for me, it's a Cunning Crew. I was already kind of up on them in early Harrow Deep, and I just never got a chance to like put the the reps into them because I was kind of practicing for Adepticon and doing other stuff. Um, I think. Th- they they basically missed a lot of the um, the nerfs that came around in this list, and I thought they I think they were already pretty good, honestly. Like I think mm-hmm. of everything that came out in Harrow Deep, like of all four, I would rate them probably the strongest of the four. Like yeah, Black Powder Buccaneer, obviously not great, but like I think they're better than Eggs Out Dead, and I think they're potentially better than both of the Nether Maze ones. Like I know you guys are all hyped up on Exile Dead, but like. The cards that Cunning Crew have are really good. I think they have a high ceiling, and I just never got a chance to play them. And now I'm kind of like, oh, you know, they don't play, you know, the cards, the new cards in Nether Maze are not designed for them, but they play pretty well with them. And I think there's a lot of play there. The The main downside is Manok is large baseline, but like, I think if Manok died before, you already had kind of lost. So it doesn't really change much about that. <laughs> That's 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 very interesting. I do agree that they seem like they dodged a bullet. I'm really still surprised that Surge didn't get hit. Um, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. So well, they have a lot of really good cards. They have like one of the better um, uh, illusions in the entire game as well. They're mm-hmm. minus Titan of Cruelty. Yeah, it's so good, so good. Um, for myself, let's see. Let's see if he's gonna go. Let's see what he's gonna give give us. Are you gonna- Castigators. I'm gonna go with Storm of Celestis. Really? I agree with that, actually. I'll tell you why. You want to hold objectives? You want to hold objectives? Flip shit. Shoot shit. You're good. I I agree just because you had said you think the, the meta is going to go towards two wound fighters. Guess who's really good at killing two wound fighters in round one? It's Magor's Fiends at range, guys. I don't disagree, actually. I think that's a really good point. Fine, I'll just play Iron Souls. You've twist twisted my arm. I'm gonna do it now. What did you think I was gonna say, Jason? That's what I'm. I'm real, well. I mean, I I know you like Shadeborn, but I I didn't know what you're gonna say. It was not that. That that's <laughs> like you've caught me off left field. I'm picking daisies. I've wow. That's like something Jonathan would have said. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about him a lot lately. So I don't know. Um, but uh, he. Um, Actually, I talked to him earlier today. I was like, hey, man, did you pick up another maze? He's like, no. <laughs> just just no. Like, didn't say whatever. And I was like, great talk. Thumbs up. And he just he just he's like, LOL. Yeah, I'm just not playing. And I was like, this is so Jonathan. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll get, we'll get him back eventually. I don't know, man. We'll see. Um, 
Yeah, that's probably it. The only other one I can think of is maybe Mad Mob, just because, you know, I like spells. Mad Mob's not that that already. I think they're fine. That one I could see. That one fits you. Like, when I think of your play style, that fits better than Cascaders. Yeah, I mean, so it really depends, right? Like, yeah, I think we all have a play style, and, and, you know, Zach's mentioned that, and and Benji kind of broke that down on his opinion as well, but, like, I think you can play any play style, right? You might not have as much fun with it, but like, I also enjoy like playing war bands that no one else is like, not to the extent of some other people we know where they just want to play like season one through three or whatever. Like for me, it's more so like if I can make storm of Celestis work, I'll take that as a dub. Like, you know, cause I played, I played thorns at LVO and like, you know, I'm, I, it wasn't like the most exciting thing to play, but I did it. Did I have more fun playing Profiteers and Crimson Court? Absolutely. Who the Q doesn't love charging and rolling dice, you know? I mean, some people don't. Benji hates it. They're just so dice dependent. Like, I mean, yes, you get some mitigation out, but two hammer uh, range attacks, like that you only can make once a turn, it it doesn't feel good when you miss. That's fair, but like to be honest, like if you're gonna charge you only get one shot a turn anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like profiteers, I mean, it, if you think about it, Jason, it's a combination of aggro and profiteers. It's not too far off the mark. I guess. But they, to, for them to be viable, they have to hold feature tokens. Yeah. Yeah. Or, for, yeah. yeah. or flip them. Or flip them. They, they, to me, feel like the early game version of profiteers where like profiteers need the steam to get going. Like, these guys start pretty good in round one because everyone's got damage too. And then you just like lose one or two dudes and it just goes downhill really fast. But you got a healing potion. That's true. All That's right. True. They don't want to see it happen. I think they do. <laughs> win, league, win league with it. Come on. I'm not, I don't know. I don't think I'll win the Vassal League, number one, I think. But number two, I mean, I'm more than happy to play a game with you. All right. Let's do it. We can do that. You can play the Shadeborn. And then I'll cry when you prove me wrong. It'll be okay. <laughs> then I'll just suffocating mess charge. Boom. <laughs> dead, uh, dead elf. Oh, but the halls, you know what? Yes. You could get on the feature token and put halls out. So you get the sports and, and um, double support. Now, yeah, I'm with you now. If you play that card, the waypoint card, we're good. We're good. So if I play the card, you've been trying yeah. to get me to play uh-huh. for <laughs> six months. You agree. <laughs> you will see how good they are with that card. <laughs> I mean, it might be, but to be fair, like the only thing I don't like about them, if we're going to stick on this topic, is Aphis and Melisan only inspire to one block, which is why I think like Nether Defense comes into play. Like then you can get one, like one of the other ones on two block. Okay. Um, so yeah, I can see that. Sleek and Sleek can hold objectives. Don't sleep on, on, on my boy. He's not a beast. He is. He is awesome. I do like bird, half bird dog right there. Yeah. Because so. Warning Cry is actually not bad either. I've seen it in a couple battle reports uh, actually do work, put everybody on guard. Yeah, and there's some um, there's some good guard cards. I don't know if there's any one that are reliable enough to score every turn, but Bef- I think there's one or two. Before we got to Harrow Deep, I, w- I liked this warband. But as soon as the, the objective hexes started face down, that was real hard to overcome. Hey man, season seven, we're going to go back to objective tokens being face up because we're going to be in, I don't know, Akshi or Heish or whatever. 
And then they're just going to come out swinging. It's going to be Storm of Celestis all day, every day. All day, yeah. That's going to be their time. <laughs> when, when mechanics change and the game changes and there's a different state, that's when this warband's going to be good. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> they're yeah, playing the like, long game. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I, like I said, I don't know if they're going to win anything, but can I, can I, I think I can get them to where I can go positive. All right. So that's, that's eyes, fair. I, eyes of the nine better chance than they do is all I'm saying. You're, you're, you, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you're just trolling. I am trolling. <laughs> you're just trolling. Um, I don't know. I think God's sworn too. question. Do you take pure carnage with, uh, with, um, exile dead? No, not exile dead. What am I thinking? Um, clawback, clawback. Maybe, maybe. Uh, mm. I have, I think Clawback is a game you need reps for. There's a war band you need reps for to really understand. Like it, yeah. it's hard for me to like call anything out on them because I'm like, how survivable are they? How squishy are they? I have no idea until I actually put those dice on the table. The, the mulligan yeah. for them is so important because you have to be able to mitigate that damage with those ploys turn one. Otherwise, you're going to put yourself in a bad position. So. Mm-hmm. But we're way off kilter now. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, look at like talking yeah. about individual warbands. So oh. that's that's what we love. Yeah, I love talking about the game. That's why we're here. That's right. And I also think Thorns are making a comeback. I, I wouldn't. I would not disagree with that. Yeah. I also think Dread Pageant really good right now with the flipping and everything. Yeah. Let, let, let's go to the shorter conversation. I'm on which warband do you think is not doing well right now? Because it sounds like I think that's the longer conversation. Dwarfs. You just named like seven in a row. You're like, actually, all these war bands are doing amazingly. But I don't. Amazing is a strong word. I, do I think? <laughs> I think they got play. Like, do I think Reavers or Magors or Eyes of the Nine? I think. The, or, I think Magors spoilers. Fine, actually, I think mm-hmm. that the real point of that whole statement right there for both of you is the game is so different right now that it's exciting for players that have been playing for years. And that exactly. is a great thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and new players with cool models, miniatures. Great time to be um, playing I think, worlds. I think chosen axes still suck. <laughs> <laughs> I've only played chosen X against chosen axes one time in the last two years and I lost to them. So I can't agree with that statement. They have hundred yeah, percent win think- rate against me. Listen. I think Condemners still suck. I think Guardians. I mean, no. we can keep going. Tra- you know? Trogoth's blood right on Iron Skull Boys to the top. Takes them right to the top. Because you inspire and then take the wound back. <laughs> there you go. If they, if they, You know what, dude? If they didn't have that inspire, you know what? Keep the inspire. Just make Hakka and Bash a two damage, bro. I, th- I think they should just make um, Shard Gale a, uh, an Iron Skull Boys faction card. Just give it to Jeez. us. <laughs> there you go. The uh, they should make Hacka three fury two damage and Basha two smash two damage, and I think that's fair. I just need to update all these warbands, man. <laughs> that's what we just keep coming back to. Yeah, give give us a, a Heroes of Shadespire. Completely update the cards. Make give them a rival deck. Call it a day. Someone someone was saying there's like 200 fighters in this game already at this point. There's 40 yeah. factions and averages five fighters. So, yeah, I believe that. It's, yeah, it's like, do we need updates? I mean, I would love them, but do we need them when we have 
eight war bands a year, maybe 10 sometimes. Well, it depends. Do you, do you want an ever-growing list of war bands or do you want to slow down and re-release old ones so we don't have constant barrage of updates? So one thing that I've learned with Games Workshop if you, over the years, if you look at their release cycle, is they're never going to not make new stuff. Yeah. Yes, that's true. So, the, so the, the question is, do you want new stuff and old stuff or do you just want the new stuff? So for, and this is... This is way off what we started to talk about today. That's all right. But for local, for locally, and for the larger player base that we need to grow, Rivals to me is very important. And the only way that for me that Rivals is fun and exciting and makes me want to go to the game store every week and play is if I have 50, 60 warbands to pick from because you're selecting the mechanic within the war band, not tailoring the deck. So like I show up with iron skull boys and you know, they're the hard counter for X, but then somebody shows up with Molog and you know, bops me to death, right? Like I like that little metagame in rivals when I can't change the deck. Sure. And I don't disagree with that. I actually think that's an extremely valid point that having a, a wide variety is really good when you are limited, but when the old factions just are kind of like not playable, even like even in Rivals Plus, like yes, you can use their faction cards, but like are you gonna bring Steelhearts champions? Are you really Wait, gonna do that? Are you gonna do that? Not no. not viable. Oh, you're talking for rivals. For yeah, rivals. rivals and rivals plus. Okay. So they're not, they're not eligible, is essentially what you're saying. Well, I mean well, I guess Rivals Plus you it, can make right Rivals yeah. Plus they're eligible, but like you're not gonna play I mean you could play them, but like I mean, Magors and Spike Claws. Yeah, yeah. I I think it would be nice to update them to be like, yes, you still have all this choice, and we've like kind of brought them up to the current power level. So they like it doesn't feel bad to put Chosen Axes on the table, or it doesn't feel bad to put you know Eyes of the Nine on the table, or you know, uh, Yothari's Guardians, or what whatever one you want to talk about from the first. I'll have you know that I played Eyes of the Nine at a Rivals Plus event, and how did you do? It was, it was fun. It was fun. Good. I'm, I'm glad you and your opponents who were beating you had a great time. <laughs> um, Everybody had a good time. So that's that's the most important part. I'll, I will I will say this: if they just update the fighter cards, hypothetically, like you know Zach was saying, you know, like in a white dwarf or online or whatever, um, it's feel bads for new players because you can't buy the old stuff. Hmm. If they re-release everything then I'm okay with it because at that point, I mean, I'm okay either way, but like, I'm an old guy, like I'm an old balls guy, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like I was uh, like bacon born, for example, from determined effort. Like he, he joined in dire chasm. So like, he may not have the ability to buy older war bands, you know, cause there are only going to be so many people who sell them on eBay. Right. Mm-hmm. So what is, so like, let's say you update, um, eyes of the nine, right. Jason's favorite war band. Um, <laughs> what does like what if you can't buy as the nine then what happens well that that's already the question with stuff like uh all the really strong beast grave or molog like the, that was the molog question after he wrote he rotated from the store was that like hey molog is completely messing up this primacy meta and also you can't buy him anymore doesn't that feel awful as a new player like now we're just talking from the other direction like we've already seen when things were too strong and you couldn't buy them. Now we're talking about like things that are too weak and maybe re-releasing them and you can't buy them. Like it, it, it is an issue that GW has to deal with in either direction. I think it will come to a head at some point, maybe, or maybe they'll just continue to ignore it and we'll just 
treat some of the factions like they're fun and not really, uh, you know, not really care about them. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I, I'm, I don't think it's worth belaboring the point because they're going to make a decision as they want to. And I don't think, you know, I don't think what the community wants is necessarily what they're going to do because they're a business and we're going to look at it from a game and they're going to look at it from profits and for better or worse, that's just kind of the situation. I think that's well said. And it's really good to differentiate that. I think to that point. So let's just say Unworlds has a thousand players, right? Just to pick a number. I'm not saying that it could be more, a lot more, it could be a lot less, mm-hmm. a thousand players. And, you know, 25% of those players have been around for since season one and have all the war bands. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you re-release, um, Reavers, the, the, one of the very first war bands, you now take a thousand potential sales for everybody buying a brand new, like never seen before war band. And you only have 75% of those that are going to buy that war band, but existing players will still buy it for the new cards. But will you, if you have the same, you have the miniatures already for the new cards. Absolutely. Like if it, so you'll spend $45. I mean, people already did. Hmm. They what? did, but there's just less potential. So like, let's say, okay, let's say 12% of those people are going to buy, rebuy the other one, like buy that war band. You're still at a net loss from, if I put out this brand new war band, I get all thousand players to buy it. Well, by that same thing, they shouldn't do rivals plus or rivals because that disincentivizes people from buying every single war band that comes out because that's the point of championship right now. I get it. Yeah. I mean, like they, there's a lot of ways to talk about it. And absolutely what's happening is there's somebody there with a spreadsheet going like, we see plus EV, like, you know, positive expected value doing this will make us money. Doing this will make us more money or doing this will make us no money. Like somebody's sitting there with the spreadsheet and we don't know the spreadsheet and we can't see the spreadsheet. I think people would still buy re-release stuff for new cards because, you know, there are existing players that have played since the beginning. They're like, yeah, I would really love to play Reavers again. I absolutely would buy an updated deck for them, even if I had to rebuy the same minis. Or what they could do is just like, all right, we're going to re-release Reavers, but we're going to update the sculpts. And you can have the old sculpts and use the old sculpts. But here's a new Garrick Reaver and a new deck to go with him. They won't do they that. Won't There's do no that. way. That would be the best, but they'll never do that because that's like... They're never going to yeah. do that. It's like you said, it's like... Like they already have the mold. Why make any mold? Yeah. Why waste, waste spend the man hours making a new design when you have it? Just repackage it. Yeah, for sure. Except that's what they did with castigators and creepers. <laughs> one of the one of the biggest question mark releases was with this, you know, onslaught of product this last weekend, mm-hmm. and that is Truth Seekers and um, the Cunning Crew coming out in a Rivals Plus or whatever it was called, Rivals of Hero Deep. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just like their that. Cards, like it, it was really close to the release of um, Harrow Deep itself, and now we have those two warbands packaged together. Mm-hmm. Um, at least when they did it with Steel Hearts and Reavers, it was it was like a year and a half or whatever after. So I don't know. It's just a, that was a strange release, which might might be a strategy going forward. But I can't figure it out. I've sat here and thought about it. I'm like, I don't understand what the strategy is with that. So, so like a rivals of Shadespire, like redo. Yeah. Repackage, redo. I mean, it could work. Yeah. Last question. Or go ahead. I was going to ramble. So go on. 
Okay, last question before we actually end the episode, because <laughs> we're going on three hours now, is do you think Warband should rotate? And if so, should it be seasonal rotation or targeted specific Warband rotations like Molog or Crushes? For championship, I think they absolutely should rotate. I think for I think there should they should support multiple formats. I think there was a really nice time at the end of Direchasm where Vanguard felt like a cool format. When it was just the start and it was like, you could play Vanguard and there are three factions available, that felt terrible. Um, but like when you got to the end and they were all out and all the universal cards were out, that felt like a pretty cool um, format. And I think championship would do well if it was only the championship available to purchase factions that were available um, because, and this is why like, yes, I love, I went, I went to the finals at Adepticon with season one Skaven. I love my old factions. I play curse breakers a lot. I play, I actually play guardians quite a bit. Um, I play these season one, two warbands a lot. I love them. But when you design universals with the current warbands in mind, and not with the other warbands in mind, which is what has always thrown it off. Like primacy was not designed with Molog in mind. And that was a problem, you know, and we're going to see these other things kind of happen. I think if you design with something in mind, you should only play it with that in mind. And that was kind of the point of Vanguard. And then they were like, ah, Vanguard's not popular. Let's not do that. But I think there should be a format where they rotate out. Maybe it's not championship. Maybe it's like rivals plus minus or like rivals, <laughs> rivals divided or whatever they're going to call it. But like, I think there should be a format where they're rotated. If, if it's not championship, I think it should be championship. Personally, I don't care if my stuff sits on the shelf. <laughs> but Jason, you look like you were. Uh, I just don't. Side. Yeah. I, there are other games that do this kind of like rotation. Um I'm pretty sure Warm Hordes is now in a rotation state, or at least the last time I read anything about them, they were in a rotation state where certain um, fighters were not uh, in play for their their game. So I could I could see that right where they there's 15 war bands that is in championship, and this is what we're playing through whatever season, and then the new war bands come in like that. That would be fine, but GW has like we've just recently seen GW in their big games take models and say they're they're like shelved, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to play be playing in a in a fun game to to bring out this model and I just don't see it here, but I also think the reason we don't see it here is because this product is different than anything else. It is. Yeah. Um like it is completely different with the d- different warbands and locally some of the feedback has been like, oh, I don't want to get back into the game because all I want to do is take Thorns of the Briar Queen and that's my faction and I want to play them all the way through. So I think like if they do continue to update Rivals with like individual decks and then Rivals Plus and that it just spans all eternity when we have 500 Warbands to pick from, I'm okay with that as well. Yeah, I mean, there there is something to be said for that because everyone has a favorite. Like, this is this is something that like as people have said before is like, there's always going to be someone whose favorite is Chosen Axes or Garrick's Reavers mm-hmm. or you know, uh, Gloom Spike gets uh, Zarbags gets right. Like, there's always going to be someone who wants that and will be devastated when it goes away. So I, I definitely understand that. Like, I don't want to seem like I. I want to like throw those people under the bus or anything. I just, from like a game design perspective, I think it would be healthier 
if there was some amount of rotation. Maybe you could like half-ass it, like you said, and it was just targeted rotation, like Moloch's out. Or even if it was just like seasonal targeted, like, hey, the mechanics in this season are really, really good for Gits. Gits are not playable in Nether Maze. And then next season be like, Gits are back. You can you yep. can bring Zarbag again. Like if it was something like that, maybe you could like do that. But I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work that might not be worth it for them to even go forward and do. Yeah. So I don't think it's that much work. Not necessarily, no. I think like, so this would be my proposed solution, which I think you both have. I think you're both right in that that you could do it that way Mm -hmm. and that you also shouldn't do it to a certain extent. But like, just, just make like season one through three relic, like support relic, make, make rake relic its own format. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying like, everything is possible in relic. We, you can just say like, Hey, the relic format this season is, you know, see like all war bands from seasons one through three and the universal pool from night vault go. And like, that could be a really fun way to get people to play a limited format because no one plays relic. Let's be honest. Who's, who's playing relic. Do you know anyone who plays relic? Uh, the, only- the reason Oh, go ahead. The reason no one plays relic is, is because the, the game isn't large enough. And that's really where the state where we're in is there's just not a large enough player base to split the pit player base into two formats. It's already scary enough to try to split it between championship and rivals. Plus like they're trying to do to an extent and like how they were mm-hmm. doing the championship in Vanguard. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, Magic the Gathering has like seven formats, but it also has like 4 million players in America alone or something like that. You know, it's like, it's massive. Okay. But like, think about, so like, look, I play a lot of Hearthstone. So like, let's talk about Hearthstone, right? Like they have four different formats right now. In fact, they have two separate games within the game. If you look at Battlegrounds and, and uh, Mercenaries, Mm -hmm. but they have a format called Classic, which is like the year Hearthstone came out before any expansions. And they're thinking about canning it per the latest uh, developer or, you know, ask me anything on Reddit because they don't, no one's playing it. Yeah, I played Classic for like five months or for like five weeks. And then I was like, yeah, this is boring. Yeah. I mean, Priest is unplayable first and foremost, but that's a, that's a separate topic. Like, like, let's like, like no one, I just think like nostalgia is so important, but like when it actually comes around, like, does anyone care? Like, think, think about like, this might open up a whole nother can of worms, but this is just an analogy. Like Star Wars like episode seven, it's just episode four all over again. And it's like, you know, it's really cool. Yay. But like when it came out, finally, everyone's like, oh, this shit sucks. Right. Debated, but I thought so. And a lot of people I know thought so. So it's it's the same idea. It is. It is. But like the idea is like, well, I think relic, it doesn't really, it's not that fun. It doesn't really work because the part of the joy, part of the joy of Underworlds is playing it and painting and all the hobby and stuff. But part of the joy is also exploring the meta. Shadespire mm-hmm. has been explored. Nightfall has been explored. Mm-hmm. We know it's good there. We know, like, if you were just like, hey, we're going to do Shadespire again. It's like, okay, I'm going to put Trap and Twist the Knife and Pit Trap in every one of my decks. And I have Advancing Strike That's and Defensive true. Strike and Precise Use of Force. And it's like, oh, wait, uh, I know what this deck is going to do. And you're going to play it four times and you go, okay, I'm going to go back to Championship. Like, Nobody cares. Like, I think if they did like, maybe you could, maybe you could put a lot of work in and do a cube and be like, here's a hundred and, you know, here's 200 some odd cards from across all seasons. And these are the cards available. And like people who have all the sets can like do it. But like that, that's just now we're getting into like weird territory. But, but that's, I think 
I think that that's where the game, if it continues to grow, it has to go. And that's what this game being a completely different product Mm -hmm. for GW is it's really a card game that has miniatures. Right. That's And if you started to supplement these, you know, seasons with here's all the cards or, you know, um, MCP is releasing in July, like a character update pack with all their cards. Like, yeah, you can get them for free right now, but in, um, July, I'm sorry, July, I think I said January, but July, you can buy all these updated fighter cards for MCP. Mm -hmm. Like there is money to be made in this model, but GW's never been in this model before. Yeah. Like like I I am hedging my statements with that in mind. Like there's, there's definitely stuff you can do and a good card based company could do. Someone has a lot of experience with this game, but the way GW runs their games and the way they have previously done their marketing and previously done their releases, like, could you do cubes? If for you guys who are not, if anyone's not familiar with uh, Magic the Gathering, a cube is where somebody takes all their cards from whatever set, from whatever year, going back to whenever, and they curate a set. And they're like, this is the, the cards we're going to be playing with. And they draft out of it. And you bring five guys over and you draft, you know, and ma- everyone makes decks out of this specific curated set that I have. And if I was to sit here and be like, I've chosen 20 cards from Shadespire, these 15 cards from Nightfall, these 30 cards from Beastgrave, because I really like Beastgrave. And we can only play these six factions that I think are really cool with this card set. Yeah, that would be a really, really fun experience. But I don't think that's something Games Workshop is going to support because of their historical evidence of how they've supported their games in the past. Um, I think it would be really cool if they did stuff like that. If they just did like relic this season is these 300 cards that we've picked and we think are thematically together. You have awakened weapon from season one, which is an insanely powerful card. And you have like temporary victory from season three, but then you also have some of these junk cards, but you also have some of these other good cards that saw play, but weren't too overpowered. And you like brought these together and like made a cool set out of it. I think that could be sick. I just don't think they'll do it. Like I'm trying to be, I don't think they have the manpower to do it. Yeah. Like they could rely on community. I think if a community built a cube and then they submitted it and GW was like, we took all, we took 30 user submitted cubes and this is the one we're going to go with. Maybe they could do that, but they might not. not They could, but, but like also like with IP and like game rules and legalities, like if, if it's not your idea and then you take someone else's idea, like they can entitled to be compensation for it. And that's what I'm saying. Like if they had seven other devs on this game, you know, it would be, we'd be talking a different story, but I just, we're, we're not kind of there right now. I mean, and look at, look at, you know, if you want to talk community made stuff, look at John mm-hmm. from Can You Roll a Crit. He made a far list for his UK masters event and they, 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 they Facebook ruined, like when I went in on him. Mm-hmm. And know? it turned out his it's far like, is very similar to the one that came out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, you know, yeah. it's just, I would it just, like to end end the debate, how many times has anyone played Arena Mortis? Goose egg. Is this a, is this a trick question? <laughs> I mean, because I have, and it is super fun, but I've only played it three times. And although it's not a cube, it's a scaled down version of Relic because mm-hmm. you can pick whatever you want for that one fighter, and you take one fighter through, you know, four hundred different fighters or whatever it is, and it just doesn't it doesn't get played. So like, it's almost like the conversation is, do we have rotation? Do we have this? But really like whatever, whatever mode format system we have, it needs to encourage player growth, development, 
otherwise we don't even get a different mode. Yeah. And, but I think going, you know, now that we've kind of run in circles, I think going back to what we were talking about near the beginning is that we're trying, how do you balance retaining old people that want to use their old stuff versus bring new people in? Cause new people don't care about old models. Old people don't really care about new models because maybe they want to use their old stuff and they don't want to buy new things. They already had their buy-in. They don't want new buy-in. Balancing that is the real question. And there's not really an easy answer to that. I, I guess Rivals is kind of a nice answer because it's like, oh, you don't need to buy new stuff. You can just buy Illusory Might. And then new person, oh, you can just buy Nether Maze and Illusory Might, maybe. Who knows? Like if you if you want to do that or Essentials or whatever. Um, so Rivals Plus is kind of that nice balancing factor. But then you have to take an actual balance to account. And Beast Grave Warbands are really, really strong in Rivals Plus. How do you balance that? How do you make people feel like your purchases are necessary without doing insane power creep on top of it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a it's a question. Yeah. Well, to to make sure that we all go to bed at a somewhat reasonable <laughs> hour, um, I think let's just table that there. I think lots of stuff for uh, not only all of us to reflect on and think about, but also our listeners here. Um, the last thing I'll probably say about that is just keep in mind Games Workshop is a miniatures company first yes, and foremost, so. then, a, then a rules and gaming company second. Mm-hmm. So whatever makes them the big bucks and makes the coolest miniatures is probably where they're going to end up going. Um, but you never know. Yeah, it's a cool miniature. Yes. Dentalos. I, or I have got my exile dead next to me and I'm going to be painting these guys this week because I love them. Yeah. I primed them this morning. So um, anywho... I think that's going to do it. Anyone else have any final thoughts or hot takes or rabbit holes that we need to dive into? <laughs> hot take. I think Nether Maze is going to be great. Um, we've been up and down, but I think the changes are overall positive. A couple stumbling blocks, but I'm super hyped to play this game again. Okay. Well, I think Jason and I are both nodding, so we both agree. And I think we're both tired. So (laughs) we're going to end the episode right here. So that's it for the episode. If you are a Patreon supporter, um, be sure to check out the Patreon where we'll have some exclusive end phase stuff. Not sure what the episode will be on this one because I think the end phase actually happened during the episode. Um, But we'll figure something out, I'm sure. Um, So once again, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join our current patrons, you can do so at patreon.com slash pathtoglory. You can find all of our blog content on pathtogloriepodcast.com. Hopefully, Jason and Zach will contribute to that at some point. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, there we go. Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at Path Podcast. Please rate and subscribe the podcast as well on whatever medium you listen. The more five-star ratings we get, the more people listen. And as always, thanks for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your Path to Glory. Three hours? (laughs) 